Just I have some props. I have props. Oh, yeah. Props are, props, props are great. Props are amazing. <laughs> cool. All right. What's up, Matt? We're back. Okay. We're back with the Matt Cox. This is the me. fans love you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves you. You're back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, this is your third time back. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. When are you going to do the other? Uh, the, the other one's going to come out next week. Not not this week, but next week. Okay. Then we get, we have a couple that are coming out. I, I'm <clears> I'm like I'm backlogged on like five podcasts right now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good though. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, a nice lot of content. We're cranking out a shitload of them, which is cool. But Matt Cox is back by popular demand. How you doing? Uh, good, excellent. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today? You got a you got a book that you're about to publish, right? Right. Called Bailout. Right. This is one of the stories that you wrote when you were incarcerated on a guy. What's his name? Give me the uh, give me the give me the quick uh, backstory on it. It's Marcus Shrinker. Marcus Shrinker was the financial crisis two thousand in two thousand and eight in the mm-hmm. final financial during the financial crisis uh he was about to be indicted mm-hmm. uh, for securities fraud he had a hedge fund or not a hedge fund uh, he had a, a wealth management company right where he was basically just stealing from his clients it was a mini ponzi scheme very right. small ponzi scheme well he was about to be indicted and the, they'd already raided his office and he knew it's com- it was coming well he also was a pilot so he devises this plan where he's going to take his plane up and he's going to call in a distress signal and say that the windshield has imploded and he's bleeding and you know i'm I'm losing consciousness you know a whole thing this episode is brought to you by snapple want to know another snapple fact the first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep a duck and a rooster ridiculous check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored snapple near you look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey (sighs) well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <clears throat> and then he's going to jump out of the plane and let the plane fly out over the Gulf and l- run out of fuel and land in the Gulf. The intro to that story, so the synopsis that I read on your website, the first couple paragraphs are, they just grab, they grab you by the throat. That's like a great intro to the story, how it just starts out with him on the plane calling in the distress call, right. saying that his window's broken, he's bleeding profusely, Grabs the parachute. Who says profusely? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, in the heat of the yeah, moment the like that. The, I'm jammed up. I'm, I'm, the last thing I'm right. going to do is try and come off eloquent. <laughs> right, right, right. I, mean, I got issues going <laughs> yeah. on here. I mean, that's pretty ballsy to do something like oh, that. To, to, oh, to literally ballsy. to ghost ride your plane and just jump out. Yeah. The, uh, listen, it was everywhere. Keep in mind, too, here's the problem. So you saw it. You, when you were inside, when you were locked up, you saw this on the news. I, yeah. I, I had, by the time I met him, I mean... I had already... He was trying to fake his own death, right? Correct. Okay. Now, of course, what happens is he he does call... He takes the plane up. He calls in the distress signal. He sets the autopilot. He goes out, opens up the door, jumps out <clears> with a parachute, and lands, and the plane heads towards the Gulf. Unfortunately for Marcus, 
however comical for everyone watching, <laughs> um, because the door opens up, yeah. there's more drag on the aircraft. Yeah, so his calculation down. of it will go out 50 or 100 miles or two, 200 miles into the Gulf and crash was off because it burned up too much fuel because it's no longer aerodyna- as, as aerodynamic. And so it runs out of fuel about a mile or two before the Gulf, and mm-hmm. it crashes into a swampy area. Yeah. And he said, remember, he says, you know, that the, that the windshield had imploded. Well, of course, that whole plane, if you've ever seen pictures, if you go to the website and look at the story, and I have the pictures of the plane, the, the tail's ripped off. The wings are ripped off. The whole thing is, I mean, as it goes through the, through the, um, through the trees, it's just totaled. Yeah. Windshield's still perfectly in, <laughs> Perfectly intact. <laughs> not a scratch. Yeah, not and a crack on it. when he landed and he went through the trees, one of his testicles got ripped off. Um, I mean, you know, that's what he said. <laughs> that's what he said. But anyway, let, let's... Okay, let's okay. let's start from the beginning. Right, so it, so he... So the point is, is that he gets, he gets caught. So what happens is, I recall, I was already at the medium at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it, like you had asked, I remember seeing it on CNN sitting there and they're talking about this guy who had taken the plane out and they were looking for him and i'm like something doesn't sound right so anyway years later i'm at the low and i'm writing guys stories um i'd written uh ephraim deveroli's story the guy from uh, war dogs i'd written uh <coughs> doug dodd's story the guy that was in rolling stone they, mm-hmm. we i optioned or i was a part of the option for that film or so uh shrinker comes to me and he says to me, you know, hey, I understand that you write guys' stories. And I was like, you know, the thing, it's so hard not to mock him the way he talks. He's like, he's like, hi, I understand. I mean, he, it's, it's, it's so over the top dramatic. Yeah. So, you know, he does this whole, hi, I, well, Matt, I just, I don't understand. How can they, you know, it's, it's just so pathetic. But he comes up to me and he says, I understand <clears throat> you write guys' stories. And I'm like. Yeah, I write guys' stories. And he's like, I have a story. I'm Marcus Shrinker. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Marcus. I had seen him around. I had had a conversation or two with him briefly. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay, what's up? He's like, well, I have a, I have a story. But I think I'm – I remember that I should have known right then. He said – I should have known something was wrong because he said, um, I think I'm finally ready to be honest about the story. <laughs> and I thought okay, – Red flag. Well, okay. And I said, well, what's the story? Because your story's basically out there. Right. It's been told – You've been on 2020, you've been on Dateline, you've been on you've been on all these major shows. It was covered in every newspaper around the world. I mean, th- there were newspapers in China that are that are covering. I mean, it was so sensational. Who does this? It's a movie. It's insane. Right, definitely. So he says to me, I'm like, I mean, what's new? He's like, "Well, you don't understand. People don't know the truth." And I'm like, "Well, what's the truth?" And he goes, "The truth is," he said, "I shouldn't be in prison at all." He said, "You understand?" He said, "I didn't take the money." He goes, my wife pilfered all those accounts. She was the CFO of our company. It was a large company, and I didn't know what was happening. By the time they raided the office, that's when I realized what she'd done. He said, and I I didn't want her to be taken away from my children. (laughs) And so I devised a scheme to try and, you know, sacrifice myself and jump out. He said, plus, he said, I had like $11 million in life insurance, and if I was dead— she would get the the money and my kids would be taken care of. And, you know, he said basically the whole economy was melting down at the time. Mm-hmm. So he said, I just saw, I thought I would do the right thing and try and sacrifice myself. And, you know, and their marriage was over anyway. So he has this whole thing where he tells me this story. And, you know, look, I'm in prison. 
I had no way to, to verify anything at that moment. So talking to him, he is so sincere, so over the top sincere. You want to believe him. And I wanted to believe at that moment, I wanted to believe that, wow, this is nothing like what I'd, what I'd heard. Yeah. And I had seen like part of the episode of, um, uh, I almost got away with it. He had done, I'd seen like the last half of it. And so you know, I knew he'd jump out of the plane. I knew all of that. And so I'm like, wow, okay. So I remember that night I went and I called my literary agent mm. and talked to him. His name was Ross. And I said, Ross, listen, this guy, Marcus Shrinker, and he jumped out of the plane. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I've, so he talks to me about it and I tell him, yeah, it's, you don't understand his wife. She's the one that did it. And I'm telling him all this. And he's like, oh, Matt, he's, he's lying to you. Mm-hmm. And I went, no. No, no, you don't understand. He's like, no, no, I understand. He said, I've read everything on this guy. He said, I was fascinated by this guy. He said, I watched all the episodes uh, of all the different uh, stories. I've seen everything on him. He says, let me, he says, look, you don't have access to the internet. He says, let me print out some stuff. So four days later, I get a stack of articles and, he, and a note from him saying, look, I'm sending you more stuff. Yeah. So now I read it and I see all these things that say he's a pathological liar. Like, there's several of his victims are saying, look, you can't believe a thing he says. His wife's like, look, he's a liar. I mean, he lies all the time. And it, his victims are like, you know, <clears throat> this guy's a path. He's pathological. Yeah. So I go back to him and I sit down and I said, um, okay, well, Marcus, there's a lot of stuff. And I, I start talking to him. You know, there's a lot of stuff that says that, you know, you're lying. You know, a lot of this, these are lies and you lie all the time. He's like, oh, th- Matt, they, they, that's the newspapers. They, they lied. They lied. <laughs> They lied about you, didn't they? And I went, exaggerated, but I said, it's about 99% accurate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's one or two things I'm irritated about. Said, yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. You know? I would have he- written it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would have come off a little bit nicer. But, uh, so, and, and he's like, uh, well, yeah, they lied about me and this and that. And I was like, okay, okay. But I, as we talked, I, I, you know, I just, I was fascinated after you when you know someone's a pathological liar and they're talking to you and you start to really now you're analyzing everything that they say and i kind of realized maybe i can get the what really happened out of this guy yeah maybe i'm he's never told anybody what really happened it's always been a blatant lie yeah nobody really knows what's going on in his head and he's never admitted to be a liar and nobody knows why he's a liar or why he's pathological or how that developed or so i i asked ross to send me in a bunch of uh materials uh, i had a, at that point i believe i had i believe joy i had an assistant uh, on the street that was working with me and, and keep in mind too like all these people are doing all this for free so right. like my i had like an assistant named joy who was simply helping me for free why was she, she doing that she loved the idea of me being in prison writing stories okay you know you, you'd be shocked how many things i got just by writing a letter explaining this is i'm in prison i got this much time this is what i did this is what i'm doing now and i need some help can you please do this for me and they would you know i had this one time i had a transcript i needed it's like 50 60 bucks for the transcript so i write a letter to the transcriptionist right to the court reporter and i said look you want like 60 dollars for this transcript and i said I- i'm on a budget I make this much money every month, you know, I'm in prison for this long, and it might seem silly, but I write true crime stories, and I would like to get a copy of this transcript, but you want $60 for it. I don't need it right away, and I'm not using it for legal purposes, so if you could do it at your leisure, simply so that I could get some excerpts from it, 
it would really help me out, and I would really appreciate that. And I'm I'm asking you, I'm not asking you to do it for free. I'm asking you to try and give me some kind of a discount. Just mm-hmm. help me out here. You know, a dollar a page instead of three fifty a page, something. Yeah. And about a week later, I got the transcript. So keep in mind, she had to get that letter, and then she had to transcribe it. No, it wasn't already transcribed. She then sent me the transcription with a letter that said, you know, I read your letter. I like the idea of what you're doing. Um, I wish you the best of luck, and here's the transcript. Mm. For, you for know, free? Uh, yeah, no charge. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Hell yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a break. I, I wrote a letter back saying, listen, I don't get a lot of breaks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate that. That's over the top. Nice. That was, I really appreciate it. I said, yeah, I told her, you rock. Yeah. You know, so, so what happens is Ross starts sending me in stuff on, on path, on pathological liars. Your literary agent. My literary agent. I also start ordering the freedom of information act. Keep in mind, I tell all these guys the same thing. Okay, listen. And I had this conversation with Shrinker. Listen, I'll write the story. I find it interesting, but you need to know up front, I'm going to order documents. I'm going to request transcripts. I'm requesting that I'm good. You're gonna, you may have to sign some stuff. I may get called into the lieutenant lieutenant's office or to SIS, and they may ask me, why are you getting documents sent to you? And you may ha- be called up there to, to vouch for me. I need to know that you'll do that. He's, of course, man. Of course I'll do that. Of course mm, I'll yeah. So... I said, and on top of that, I said, when the sto- as the story progresses and when I'm done with it and I give it to you, you may not be thrilled with this story. Right. I'm going to write the story the way I see it, and you don't really have any input. You know, if I get some things that are factually <clears throat> wrong, that I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to make those alterations, but they have to be factual. Right. And if I have, you know, if I have, if I'm getting facts in, additional information that doesn't corroborate what you're saying, we have to have a discussion. We have to figure out what's going on. Right. Absolutely, Matt. Of course, I'm not lying. I wouldn't lie. I don't lie, Matt. I mean, it was just, it was just, wow. oh. So I start ordering all the documents. I start writing a story. Um, and what's funny is one of the things I got was I, I read, got several reports on pathological liars. And there's not a lot of stuff. I read a book. I got a book. I got this one book in. It's really only like one or two books. Uh, one of, I think it was called Lies, Lies, Lies. The psychology of deception okay and it talks all about pathological liars and all these studies that it had been done yeah not a lot of them i noticed in your synopsis there's a lot of quotes from uh like psychiatrists that study that kind of stuff right some of those were taken from actual uh published reports Mm. or studies that i got like i got condensed studies yeah sent in 10 pages six pages and they explain like they would take kids and they do all these things and adults and how to spot someone who's lying and that sort of thing is virtually mm-hmm. impossible. It talks about their brain chemistry. Yeah. And it also talks about the different types of pathological liars. Okay. So he's based on my, you know, me being a novice uh, and not really, and I'm not a, a, a doctor or anything, but he seemed to fall into the realm of being what's called a, a pseudo fantastical pathological liar, which is that he tells a consistent lie. And he's told these lies, and they're within reason. But he's told them throughout his whole life, and he's built up this false persona of who he is so that he can continue to say, you know, brag okay. and, and lie. And, and then one of the things that they talk about pathological liars is that most pathological liars, it develops when they're children. And so I'm reading this about how it develops when you're a child. Mm-hmm. And 
he doesn't realize that I'm reading all this. Doesn't know that I'm getting these reports. Doesn't know I'm reading it. And yet he is, I mean, he is the quintessential um, pathological liar. I mean, he, he falls, every category he falls into. Yeah, he nails it. Like abusive parents, being abused as a child, um, not wanting to be the person he is, being in a bad position. Yeah, well, can you give me one of the examples in the synopsis of like child abuse? Like, there, I think there's a couple of specifics. I don't know if you can remember them right now. but what, there's... Well, yeah, what he <clears throat> said, and keep in mind, in the book, so I have like, a book that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you read the, you know, the synopsis. Well, in the yeah. book, I talk about a little bit more into it. And when I say child abuse, I just mean that according to Shrinker, you know, his mother was an alcoholic and his mother married a guy that was an alcoholic. His father was a great guy, his real father. But his mother was an alcoholic, He's according to him, and his stepfather was. And his stepfather used to beat him and his brothers and his mother. And at one point, he was actually hospitalized. His He had... Well, he'd been beaten, and he fought back, and he ends up beating up his stepfather. And but he gets taken away, and instead of going to like a juvenile facility, they he says they place him in a, a mental hospital for I don't know how long it was thirty days or sixty days or ninety. I forget. I have it. It's in the book. So and he has to go through all these things. They don't catch the fact that he's a pathological liar because by this point, remember, at one point during the writing of the story, I explained to him. Well, when I first started, I said, look, you know, one of the issues is everything that's out there talks about these lies. And he, of course, you know, Matt, I don't lie. You know, I'm not saying you lie. What I'm saying is that at one point in your life, you did lie. So I'm trying to kind of coax him into helping me out. And so I'm trying to convince him to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And, but, I, but keep in mind, too, I'm, re- I'm reading these reports. So I'm realizing he'll, he'll tell me the truth. If he thinks it's in his best interest. Right. Mm. So I have to make, I have to explain to you that by admitting to a pathological, admitting you're a pathological liar is in your best interest. Right. Right. So I, I explained to him that, look, it's better for you to admit that you're a pathological liar now early on. Let's get ahead of this. I never say pathological liar. I would say habitual liar that you had an issue with lying. So let's talk about how, let's address it head on that you had an issue and that you did lie. And you don't lie now, but you did lie at one point, and and let's talk about that and why you lied. And so I said that way it builds trust with the reader. So mm. if you say these things up front, later on if you happen to have to say something that they don't believe mm. or shouldn't believe, they will believe you because there's no reason that you would have admitted to these other things and then lied about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was a part in there where he, when he was a young child, it started where he would have to lie to his friends where they wanted to go to his house and he would have to make up a lie about why they couldn't go to his house. Like it was being fumigated or right. something, but he just didn't want people to go over there and see what was actually going on in his house with his stepdad and his mom. Right, right. That's the first lie he told me. I asked him, I said, can you tell me that, can you remember the very first lie? And he said, I don't know if it's the first lie. He said, but the very first lie I can remember telling is... He said that his parents were basically they were arguing and about to. He said he could tell it was about to boil over mm-hmm. into a full blown screaming argument where they're throwing dishes and shit. And he said I could tell. And his some kids in the neighborhood showed up, wanted to play like Atari or something. And he was like, well, "We can't play here because they're my stepfather's painting the inside of the house, so we got to go to your house." And they were like, "Okay." And he was like, "That was like the first time I lied." So he was like, him. he was like like hardwired to lie almost just because. Right. Well, he everybody lies. Yeah, you know, kids lie. It's funny because, you know, the statistic that I had read in a couple different things, a couple different of those studies was that men and women lie the about the same. 
Really? Yeah, right. So if, if, and I mean, on average, you tell a lie, like, I forget it, it's ridiculous. It's like every 14 minutes in a conversation or every seven minutes, it's, it's outrageous. <laughs> now, they're, they're minor lies, you know, like, yeah. like, like, man, that's, a, that's, a, I, I love that camo, you know, where the truth is, I don't like the camo. It's right. ridiculous. It looks mm-hmm. like pajamas. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. They consider that a lie. <clears throat> so, you know, or, and, and what's so funny is that men and women lie the same. But men, 10, 80% of men, males lie to make themselves look better. 20%, they do it to make someone else feel better. Women, 80% of the time, they lie to make someone else feel better. 20% to make themselves feel better. Hmm. So, hmm. I mean, it just kind of shows, like, what selfish prick men are. Yeah. You know? Wow. Uh, so, he, he just lies about everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I talk, we talk about that and the, the first time uh, he told a lie and and how it developed and and then he starts just it just it keeps going and going to the point where he starts lying for no reason at all these these guys would lie he would do stuff he and he he tells me this by the way he expl- he's explaining to me he said he just got to the point where he said I would I would say that like my brother like we were going to we were going to go to uh Disney World over the weekend I'd tell all, all his friends at school oh yeah my my uh my stepdad's going to bring the whole family to Disney World. We're, we're leaving Friday, and we're going to go all weekend. We're going to drive down to Florida and go to Disney World. Oh, okay. Well, then on on Monday, they'd say, did you go to Disney World? He'd go, no, we, I couldn't because my, my brother broke his arm. His brother goes to the same school. He's yeah. walking around. With no broken arm. No broken arm. Yeah. And then, but you know what I'm saying? Why would you say that? Right. You know it's you're very quickly going to be discovered that that's a lie. Yeah. He does it anyway. He'd do it to me. You know, he'd do it all the time. Guys would say if you... And he just didn't... And he didn't care. Or people never called him out or he just was... Because it's so stupid. Or he would say, I never said that. Plus, you got to think their their defense mechanism is to get angry, typically. Right. So, you know, like, can you imagine his wife? His wife doesn't call him on it. You know, she's 120 pounds. You know, he's 190 pounds. I mean, he's... You know, he's, he's, he gets angry and he yells and screams and, mm. and I'd seen him do it. He'd done it to me several times. If I pushed, he would be like, I don't have to put up with this bullshit, man. This is bullshit. I don't have to fucking, ah! and he'd get up and walk, walk off. I'd think, okay, that's it. We're not working together. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's done. He's pissed at me. It's just, he's not going to cooperate. Three days later, he'd go, hey, man, I was wondering, when are we meeting again? Like it never that happened. That happened. <laughs> but I realized how far to push him. And, and how right. to coax him into telling me what really happened. So he starts, you know, we, we, we talk about childhood and the different lies and how mm. he started lying so much. You know, they're not beneficial lies necessarily. Right. They're just lies to make himself feel good. What are you, yeah. everybody else is doing something for the weekend. What are you doing, Marcus? You know, oh, we're going to Disney World. You know, he's a little kid. Yeah. So it just became... There were so many lies to cover for his family or for his embarrassment that somehow or another it becomes – it starts to feel natural. And it feels good to fool people. You know, It feels good that I've convinced you that this is what's happening mm-hmm. or that I'm special. And, and he, keep in mind that, that follows him throughout his whole life. Keep in mind th- this guy's a pilot. He ends up getting, he's got his Series 67, Series 7, or Series 63, Series 7. He's got all of his licenses, right? All of his insurance licenses. He's got everything. He owns his own wealth management firm. 
He owns a couple planes. He's a stunt pilot. He's got an amazing looking wife. He's got, what, three beautiful kids. He lives in a 10,000 square foot um, uh, house. Why do you have to lie and tell people that you used to work for NASA and fly F-15s? Aren't you already at the top? Right, that's good enough, right? You're, you're a top-shelf individual already. Yeah. He's still lying. I just can't help it. Right. Why? I mean, so you have to know it's pathological. I mean, he right. just can't stop. So we, we, so I, I keep telling the story about how it, we ping between we, me being in prison, interviewing him, and telling the story and periodically you know i'm i i know what the story is because i'm getting the documents in i'm getting stuff in from keep in mind i everything i got freedom of information federal and i hit every single state that he dealt with so i've got documents not just from the u.s attorney's office can you hold up that stack of documents so the camera can see it hold it up by your face this is what matt brought in today (laughs) yeah this is hold it sideways we can see how thick it is (laughs) <laughs> and this is this is a third of it. I threw twice this much out because it was repetitive. Okay, I only how many times do I need? Victor That's an absurd it? amount of paperwork. Yeah. Oh, this and this is you know this is it's uh, like a huge affidavit. This is this is um this is a sentencing memorandum. You know, these are affidavits for uh, uh this is an affidavit. This is I've got victim statements. I've got what's really great is the letters from the the internal notes and emails that I have from the uh, all the different insurance agencies okay like in Texas and Indiana and where they're writing back and forth to each other like the, the different agencies are writing back and forth like no this guy's a fucking to each other he's a piece of garbage he's lying. really he's, I mean, they're just they're wow. they're blasting him they're like look he's ripping people off he's done this we think he's running a, a a churning scam we think he's running this kind of a scam and they're going back and forth back and forth so all of things that he's not telling me nor do i think he necessarily knows all of that mm-hmm. so as you know he starts telling me how things progressed in his life okay and some stuff I can verify, some stuff I can't. Did mm-hmm. he go to Purdue? I can verify he went to Purdue because I've got newspaper articles. I don't get anything from Purdue. They didn't answer requests. They're not a government agency. Right. Uh, so I do get, uh, I couldn't get anything to verify that he was actually in a mental institution as a child, but he did tell a reporter that, and I have that. So had I had he just said it, I, I would have been, would have questioned whether how much to really how much validity it had. However, I did get a couple articles that specifically talk about how he's told this story before. So I, I have proof that this is something he constantly says. It's a, at least at least it's a, it's a consistent lie, right? And then you know it goes on and on. Then eventually he ends up he ends up working for he graduates. He becomes a pilot. He ends up. Um, graduating uh, Purdue University with a degree in finance and uh, aeronautics, according to him, you know, and, and really according to some uh, different articles and stuff, talk about how he graduated Purdue. Mm-hmm. So then he, he goes to work for uh, John Hancock, which is an insurance carrier, okay. selling uh, uh, different products. You know, uh, they sell like annuities, things like that. Mm-hmm. So then he ends up opening up his own, his own firm which was a heritage wealth management. And it had a couple different names. You know, he's constantly kind of shifting the names around, but they're Mm -hmm. all basically heritage, Uh, wealth management, heritage, financial services, heritage. So 
anyway, so what ends up happening is I start getting the documents in that talk about uh, the lawsuits and uh, the different scams that he's running. And his major scam was his main scam that he made the most money at, by the way, was the churning scam where he would convince people to invest in he in um, indexed annuities. Right. And an indexed annuity is an insurance product. Keep in mind, he also he, – he would do stocks. You know, he would buy stocks and sell stocks too. But he was explaining to me there's not a lot of money in stocks, yeah. you know, as a stockbroker. And he's like, and nobody yeah. has like the edge. He's like, I mean, they're all pretty much the same. You know, you might make one half a percent, maybe two percent on a sale. He's like, okay, so big deal. Right. People aren't buying $100,000 worth of shares, you know, up in Indiana. Yeah. You know, they're buying, you know, put 5000 yeah. You know, what's he getting? 2% of 5,000. That's nothing. Right. So he starts selling these indexed annuities because the market had taken a crash. This is like after the bubble had burst, the, the tech bubble had burst. And so he starts selling these indexed annuities. And what he does is he's he starts targeting pilots because he's a pilot. So he can talk pilot talk to them mm-hmm. and aeronautics and they get it and he gets it and they like him and can develop a good rapport with right. them. And, and then they're giving him other pilots. Right. Mm. right. Oh, you got to talk to my buddy, John. So he found a niche. Right. So he starts telling the pilots he used to work for Delta, by the way, and he used to work for NASA. <laughs> and he's also telling them he used to fly F-15s um, or I think it's A-10 Warthogs or something like that. Yeah. In... in and like, it's just, it's just out, it's just ridiculous. I mean, like during desert storm, he was tell, he would tell people he was, uh, he was an F, he flew F-15s or F-16s or something during desert storm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you were like 18. Yeah. Or you would be the youngest pilot in history. You know, uh, there's, you know, or, or fighter pilot. Right. Right. You have to get your degree. You have to. Then you have to go through school, all the schooling. Then you have. There's, there's no way. Right. You're at least 23, 24, 25 years old by the time you're flying. But these, these guys on the phone that he's selling annuities to, they aren't doing the math. <laughs> they don't know. Right. They don't know really how old he is. Right. So, and and what's happening is he's. So you put you give me a hundred thousand. Let's say you give me twenty thousand dollars. Well, on the annuities, he's not making one or two percent. He's making like fifteen percent. So. You give me ten grand, I'm making fifteen hundred bucks. And most of these guys are putting in big money. They're putting in a hundred thousand because he's pitching the annuities as being a, a, a very safe product, mm-hmm. which I guess they are. But they're not lucrative. They don't make a lot of money. They, they don't make. It's not a huge return. What happens is that for the first year, it would guarantee you a return of let's say, whatever. I'm making up the numbers seven okay. percent. So or, or let's say even if it's ten percent. Oh yeah, it's ten percent, and he would be like, it's ten percent. Guaranteed return for the first year, and after that, if you're it, it, if it changes, you can pull your money out. We, you can. That's true. But there's a surrender. What's called a surrender fee. So, you pull your money out, you lose twenty percent of but your you investment. Get hit. Yeah, right. So you give me a hundred thousand dollars. Shrinker might make twelve percent. He just made twelve grand. You might make ten percent on your over the next year, but then in a year it drops down to like one percent or zero percent and so suddenly they would turn around they'd say oh i want my money back right or let's take my money out of that and put it into something else Mm -hmm. and he would say okay and then he'd pull the money out well they would hit him with a surrender fee he'd buy 
some other product with it, some stocks or whatever they wanted to do. And then they would go, wait a second, shrinker. They, they, they took 20% of my money. They only cut me a check back for, you know, whatever, 88,000 instead of the 110,000. Yeah. And he would say, you know, I don't know. That's strange. That is weird. Keep in mind too. He's got the money. He's making up documents. He's so, even if you figure it out eventually, and typically what he would do also is he would convince them not to pull the money out initially. He'd say, look, it's a bad quarter. Let's wait till next quarter. Mm. So now it's been a year and change. Mm-hmm. So a year and so a quarter, so three months later, he might get you to go again. Hey, look, it's going to change. It's going to go up. We need to stick with this. So now it's been 18 months. Then he pulls it out. They hit you with the surrender fee, with the fee. Now all the documents you sold or you signed were 18 months ago. And when you say, hey, man, they hit me with 20%. He says, well, yeah, I told you about the surrender fee. Or he says, that's crazy. Yeah, I can't believe they did that. I'm going to take care of this. And he, he writes them and says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them. I have a meeting not next week but the week after. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. He spins them and spins them and spins them. Right, and just spins drags them. them on. Months go by. You know, Maybe he wears them down. Maybe they get frustrated. They go right. away. But he's got all the documents where they signed saying they understood there was a surrender fee. And I remember convincing him what you were going to say. I was going to say, no, did he like just hide that in all the paperwork and well, they just keep, never saw it or was it even in there the, to begin with? Oh yeah. It's in there. It it's was a, in there. These are okay. documents that came from the, from the insurance company. And what, what happens if it's is like the Apple terms of service when you sign, when you when you yeah, scroll <laughs> through all that shit and just hit accept. Right. right. Nobody, nobody reads it. All. Nobody's reading it. Right. And I remember I explained to him, you know, he was saying, I was saying, did you disclose the surrender fee? I don't understand why. And he'd say, you know, well, I mean, you know, Matt, those, there's those documents are. And I remember thinking he's about to lie to me. I mm-hmm. want to catch him before he lies to me. And so I, I remember saying, listen, man, I mean, I get it. I get what I get it because I, I own a mortgage company. Right. You know how many people I've disclosed to? Our, like, you know how many times I would put the documents down and I would just run through the disclosures and I'd say, you know, this is for the insurance and such and such. This is stating this. This is stating that. This is stating the prepayment penalty. This is stating the prepayment penalty is only 1% of the, you know, uh, um, of the, of your payment. This is stating this. This is stating that you're going to carry insurance. So I said, I just go. I said, what did you do? I said, because I would do that and guys would just sign and sign and sign. Right. I'd be like, I'd flip it over and I'd say, sign here. I have, I've got my hand over the document now. You mm-hmm. can't read this. I'm going, you, you know what I'm saying? I've got my hand. So I'm going, sign here, sign here, sign here. Oh, okay. Check my watch. So you sign real quick because I just told you what it is. <clears throat> right. Even if you said, look, do you want to sit here for 45 minutes and read these? They would go, right. uh, no, I'll just sign. Right, exactly. So he would disclose and he wouldn't disclose the surrender fee. But they would sign. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's in there. 18 months later, if they really start to bitch and moan and some some lawyer shows up or somebody says anything, he can always say, they signed you it. signed it. Right. I did disclose this. I don't ever remember you. Well, I mean, I trust me, I always disclose properly. Sure. And you don't remember because it was 18 months ago. Right. You were happy with the 10%. You weren't going to pull out your money. We had a You had a bad couple of quarters. Now you're trying to pull out. Now suddenly... You conveniently don't remember that I disclosed it? Come on, man. So what can they do? So he's doing this over and over again, and he's getting people, getting more and more of these guys. And then Delta ends up like closing or something. One of these big companies closes, Delta or Eastern, I forget which one they close. And so all these pilots get their pensions. 
And so now he's getting guys that have $900,000. Oh, shit. Because right. they're cutting them checks. Like, look, we're not running your pension fund anymore. Here's your $200,000. Go do something with it. So now he's getting this money and putting it into these, these things. He ends up – and then, of course, these people have families. So yeah. they're talking about what great investments this guy's running. He goes, wow. He ends up selling um, – one guy is – 70 there's a a a guy a a pilot's father who i think is 70 years old he sells him a 15-year annuity so that means the first year was like 10 percent return shrinker because it was such a long annuity shrinker gets like 18 percent return the guy put in a million dollars so that's one hundred eighty thousand dollars right shrinker right shrinker gets 180 he signs he's happy for about a year then it changes. Keep in mind, the guy's 70. For, before, for him to get his money back and have earned anything, he's, it's a 15-year annuity. He has to wait 15 years. Right. So he's 85 then. He's 80, yeah, he's 85. He's lucky to what, make it to 85 probably. The cha- what are the chances he's 85? Right. Or he's going to make it? I mean, he had one guy that I think he was like 80. And so he would have had to have been like 95. <laughs> yeah. I actually have like in the book, hmm. I actually go over all of them. I have some right. of the letters. I, you know, I, I, um, I scale down the letters obviously because, you know, they're just outrageous. Some of the right. letters that he's writing, but some of these people are writing these angry, furious letters back and he's writing back these ridiculous responses. Really? So this is going back and forth, back and forth. Eventually though, he ends up getting this one group of investors and they're not having it. I mean, like, like he can't convince them to just get frustrated and go away. They file with e- reports with everybody, complaints with everybody, to to where, to the point where eventually, all of the these different states start investigating Shrinker, and they start calling him in and having him answer questions and start telling him, you either you surrender your insurance license, or we're going to file criminal charges. So this group, explain this group again. This was a group of I call his customers, them, right? I call them the the client group, the client group, right? Okay. And it was made up of the. Um, how are they all associated with each other? Like why? How they were are, all pilots. They were all pilots. So okay. one, it's it's like one guy's a pilot. His brother's a pilot. One guy is like a Delta or Eastern pilot. He yeah. his brother's a pilot, and then he knew other pilots, and then he was in charge of investing his parents' money. Mm. He gives them like a little over. I think it was nine nine hundred thousand or. Slightly over a million, it's around a million. Okay. He gives that money to Shrinker. I mean, Shrinker's just—he's just nonstop. He's just pulling money in. Yeah. So it's it's uh, you know, and of course, Shrinker's by this point he's a he's a he's a stunt pilot. Mm-hmm. So he's flying around the country, um, you know, around the world really, at doing uh, stunt shows mm-hmm. and these uh, special. Why is he doing that? You know, they're, they're it's just like a hobby, right? These okay. the. You know, they're they have poor impulse control. As a pathological liar, they have poor impulse control. So, so they they tend to be thrill seeking. Okay. And so he's a pilot. Being a pilot's not good enough. Yeah. I got to be a stunt pilot. Yeah. You know, which like it's not crazy enough to just be a pilot. Which to me is, I wouldn't. I, I just it seems like a, a, a an immense responsibility, and things could go wrong. And I just mm, yeah, don't trust risk. myself. Right. That's not good enough. Yeah. I need to do loop-de-loops. Yeah, fucking flips and shit. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he crashes his plane. 
You know, and I talk about how he crashes his plane. Yeah. He ends up hurting his back. He ends up getting hooked on opiates in the oh, stunt shows or he something. He did a stunt yeah. show in, in like the, the Bahamas, right? Right, right. His landing right. gear clipped the water. Yeah, and it did like a death roll, and he crushed his spine. Right. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 rough. And then he got addicted to what was it? Uh, Oxycodone. Oxy. Hmm. Listen, and the only reason I believe that is because when they caught him, I have a list of everything that was. Everything that was uh, inventoried when they caught him, and they had a prescription of oxycodone mm. and extra scripts in other people's names. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, well, like he, he had a script in his brother's name. Okay. So, and he had them in his name. So that followed suit with what he was telling me already. So I, I felt good about that. You know, okay. there's certain things you you start going, eh, I don't know. This right, sounds. Right, right. This sounds kind of contrived, this little story about how, Matt, I was, I was hooked on oxys, so mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't thinking right. And it's like, eh, it could be an excuse, but right. then you find evidence and you, you go. connect the dots. I'm going to run with that. Yeah. yeah. That's, I'm, I feel confident about that. So, but like, I remember this is one of the things uh, we talk about, or I talked about was uh, when he starts getting sued by all these insurance companies. And I'm writing the book in prison, and I'm meeting with them, and I'm going there, and I'm so so go so go back. There's a group of people that are that are filing complaints against him, right, with the insurance companies, and he's somehow licensed with all these insurance companies around the country, around the country, yeah, yeah. And they're revoking his licenses back to back to back. He's literally getting shut down by every insurance company. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's uh, these they, they so really, he's going they out of business. Really basically, fuck him up. I mean, they jam him <laughs> and, up like he's. Never saw it coming, and he's not in prison at that time yet. No, because no. they're they're the they're trying to wrap it up quick. So if you're an yeah. insurance, you know, investigator or something, you're like, look, I just don't want this guy selling insurance anymore. Right. So okay. just give us your license back. Get out of our state. Right. Don't don't sell anything else in our state. And he's complying. He's just like, okay, whatever. Yep. I just don't want to be involved. I don't want to be charged. But he doesn't want to get charged. Right. He's not admitting anything. He's just saying, well, he's well, a, I wouldn't do this, but. Right. I'll, I understand what you're saying. I'll just give up the license. I doesn't matter. I never sell anything in this state. If he was anyway. innocent, he probably would fight fight back. Right. Well, what happens is once one of them, one or two of the states do it, they start notifying each other, different states. Now they're all talking. Now they're talking. And so it's so, okay. You lost your license in Texas? Right. And you lost it in Indiana? And here's their their report. Oh hell no! You're not selling in. You're not selling in Georgia. Right. You're not selling in Florida. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> So they start. They start. He starts getting these letters like within a week or two. Just bam, bam. And then the insurance companies he's all signed up with. They start canceling his abilities. They start sending him letters saying, you know, you're no longer a, a licensed agent. Don't sell our products. Don't advertise our products. Just bam, bam, bam. Within a month, he's shut down completely. He packs his shit up and leaves Atlanta because he'd moved to Atlanta. He moves back to Indiana. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, and he's done. And he, at this point, he's married with kids, right? Oh, yeah. Married to. So, what about his family? What, what's. I mean, he's got a, a wife named Michelle. Uh huh. Do they know what's going on? Um, or is know, he hiding it from them? What, what I read <clears throat> was that. First of all, he's he's not the kind of person that's going to admit to anything. Right, this, so he's, he's probably never, lying to them yeah, about he's it. He's never going to bring you into his confidence because he's trying to present a persona that Like everything's all right. I'm a super successful person. Right. I'm Superman. I mean, I'm just amazing. I'm I'm a pilot. I'm this. And keep in mind, remember, I'm not just a pilot. 
He's telling people, I used to work for NASA. Well, he really was a stunt pilot, Mm -hmm. though. At least that's good enough, isn't it? Right, right. So I'm a stunt pilot. Nope. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He also has to say he worked for NASA. Keep in mind, I've got guys coming up to me. I remember that. The I think I put it in the uh, synopsis where I was guys start to realize I'm writing Shrinker's story. Some of the guys that you're in locked up with. Locked up with. Right. Now keep in mind too, I was at the time while this is happening, I'm I'm actually eating lunch with a couple of con men. Two other guys that are locked up for being con men. And so we're talking and he's they're all saying, How's the story going? And I'm like, you know, he's lying about this. He's lying. They're like, Look, you gotta do this. You gotta so we're we're like they're helping you. They're helping me figure out how to manipulate him into telling me what happened. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, it's, you know, why don't you just confront him? And I'm like, I can't. You here's what, finesse it. Here's what yeah. he's doing. If I do that, he, he gets angry. He leaves. He, I explain about the pathological liar, about his defense mechanism, about, you know. And so, so they're helping me kind of coax the truth out of him. But eventually I'm, I'm also eating with guys that work out with him, that hang out with him. I remember I ate lunch one time with this guy the guy called him a cocaine cowboy his name is uh, uh mike hudson and so mike goes oh so you're writing uh he's like 60 something years old he mass big guy he goes he goes so i uh so you're writing shrinker story huh and i went yeah yeah i am and he goes man he said he said well so what's that like i said well you know jumped out of the plane did all that and he goes i'm not telling him he's a pathological liar i'm just like you know yeah well you know i'm just just, just a big case, and he goes, "Yeah, he's a, he's a shit he did in Afghanistan alone is worth writing about." <laughs> You're <laughs> like, "What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what? What did he do in Afghanistan? Well, he flew eight, ten warthogs. I forget exactly what he told me. Yeah, I have it written down because I took notes. Because I mean, I like immediately went back and and wrote down. Right. You know, I have all these. I have all the notes. So I've like, I immediately like go back to my the unit and like <laughs> write down. Yeah, what he yeah. Said. yeah. So he was like, mm-hmm. he flew. 120 uh, sorties. He took out 40 armored car personnel <laughs> and um, uh, and a Russian T-80 tanks. Uh, you know, single-handedly. And I'm going. When did he do this? When he was in the Air Force or the Army or whatever in the yeah. military. And I look and I was like, I mean, I just started laughing. I actually think I I, I think I blew like coke out of my nose or something. <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, I like, laughed so hard. I, was, I go. Are you serious? And he goes, yeah, he didn't tell you that. I said, I mean, Mike, I said he was, he was never in the military. He goes, well, what do you mean? Well, why would he say that? I said, he's a pathological liar, bro. He lies about everything. And he's like, what? So we start talking. He's like, that piece of shit. And he goes, what about NASA? Did he work for NASA? <laughs> what about <laughs> NASA? It worked for NASA? And he wasn't the only person. I've had like, I've had, I had like five or six guys tell me, you know, Hey man, you got to put that shit in about NASA. What? You know. <laughs> so that was one of his favorite ones. That was yeah. That's kind of he builds a a, a fantasy mm. life, yeah. right? That he can continue to go back to. And I even asked him at one point. I said, "Listen, I said these things that you're telling people. You know, like I had quotes. From so like, he he knew that you knew that he did not work for NASA and all this stuff, right? He knew, like, right. Yep. you and him had come clean on that. Yeah, he wouldn't tell me that. Right. He, he would tell me that, well, yeah, I said that, but I said it be- only because, only to pilots, or I only said it to this person, or I only said it because this person, mm. 
did this and I wanted them to think that, you know, right. we were we okay. were in it together or whatever to but impress at the, them. at the same point, you couldn't actually confront him by like, why are you telling everybody this? Because then he would right. like throw up his defense mechanisms and... Right, he would... So I would a little bit, you know, well, I don't understand. And he kind of explain, try and explain it away. And I remember when I asked him about Michelle, his wife, and I said, Marcus, clearly she knows that these things are happening. Did she, did you ever, she ever confront you or say anything? And he said, he was only once that I can recall. He said, we only had one civil conversation about it. He said, we were getting to arguments, and she'd scream at me and yell at me. It was always her fault, right. not the fact that you're a lie and piece of garbage. Um, so he says, one time they had had dinner, and he had talked about, he'd bullshitted about flying jets or F-15s or something to some of their friends. And then on the way home, Michelle said to him, why do you do that? Why do you tell those stories? You're, she's like, basically, she's like, why do you lie? You do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I mean. Shocked. That yeah, she was shocked. That, that she even that said she called him out on right. it. Right. Because he said she, we never, it just, it wasn't that kind of relationship. She, she like was an unspoken was, thing. Well, she was an enabler. You know, she's enabling him to behave this way. Because right. she's you, enjoying the lifestyle and everything that comes with it. Fucking right. So why like would she this. fucking expose him? She's got nice vehicles. She's trading in her car every year. She's getting brand right. new cars. My husband's a stunt pilot. He's a pilot. We've got a, a one or two million dollar aircraft. We can go anywhere, anytime. We live in a ten thousand square foot house worth two or three million dollars. I mean, she's she's doing well. Yeah. And do I does and Shrinker's a good looking guy. So the fact that he's also a liar, he looks good in the family photo. Right. And she's more concerned about the kids. Yeah. Her job, according to a transcript I read of hers, was she's like, I don't deal with the business. I deal with the family, and my job is raising my three children. I don't focus on what he's doing over here. Mm. But he told me at one point she actually said to him, you know, why are you doing this? And he says, you know, this is, are you going back to the car ride? home? Yeah. They're riding on the way home and from dinner. Yeah. From dinner. And she says, uh, or he says, um, he goes, I didn't know what to say. He said, I basically just told her, well, what does it matter? It, whatever I'm doing, we're, we're doing well. It's working. Whatever I'm doing is working. So don't worry about it. And she goes, yeah, but, but those aren't clients. You're not lying to clients. These are my friends. Right. To get anything out of it. Right. We're just at dinner and <clears throat> you're just fucking lying. And keep in mind, her friend... Like it's sport. Right. He just couldn't help but exaggerate and fool these people into believing that he's a, you know, a, a, a fighter pilot. Yeah. So he said it just didn't go anywhere. And he was like, you know, I didn't know what to, you know, I didn't know how to answer. And I didn't know what to say. And he said, but that's pretty much the only time she ever, we ever really had a civil conversation. Everything else was screaming matches, he said. So he said, you don't really get anything where that that way and of course he always takes off or screens or hollers or and she basically just enables him anyway she just mm-hmm. puts up with it yeah so yeah so when when all the everything went wrong because of the client group and they start hammering away at him and they've shut him down in all these different states and he's now he's really in trouble and keep in mind we're in the middle of a financial crisis at this point he uh, he's being sued by all these companies. So now these companies are coming out saying... The insurance companies? The insurance companies okay. are now saying, we want our $1.5 million that we paid you back. We want our $2.3 million that we paid you back. We want... So you, that those numbers alone, we want half a million dollars back. That Those numbers alone let you know 
how lucrative this was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got $10 million worth of just lawsuits coming at him, left and right. And I remember when I went to him and I said to him, Marcus, well, tell me about the uh, the lawsuits. You you remember reading this? Oh, yeah. So I remember where exactly where I was. I even put, I think I even put, at least I know in the book, I put exactly where it was. I was, and we were actually in front of vocational tech or Votech, which is a building in the prison. Mm-hmm. And we were there in front of the building. I remember coming up to him and saying, look, we got to talk about these lawsuits. Yeah. Matt, what lawsuits? Keep in mind, I know. <laughs> right. I already know this is coming because he's, the stories he's telling me is all about kind of more about Michelle. Yeah. And so I know we're leading up to where Michelle stole all the money, not him. Right. So he's admitting some stuff, but he's really trying to paint her as bad as he can. Well, I go up to him with a pile of paper like this. I mean, literally it was bigger than this. So I go up to him and I say, listen, Marcus, man, uh, we got to talk about the the lawsuits because and he goes what lawsuits and i go the lawsuits that you were being sued why would you say that i went well marcus i I read in the newspaper that they lied that's not true so you've never been sued no of course not has heritage wealth management ever been sued any of the heritage companies been sued no any of the companies you've been you vote, no, of course not. Have you ever been sued on behalf of the company? No. Matt, I would think I would know if I'd been sued. <laughs> and he does this whole thing, and I go, okay. I go, here's, here's AG uh, Life Insurance Company out of Texas. They sued you for $1.5 million. What? He's he what? where did you get this? And I go, what, what do you mean? I got I, I ordered the Freedom of Information Act. They sent it to me. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I don't, I, I, I've never, um, and I go, do you remember this? Because I said, you signed for it. And right. he's like, I, um, um, okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I was sued here. I was sued here. Yes. I, you're right. Now I remember. Yes. I was sued this one time. So you've never been sued any other times? Madam, no, this is it. So there's no other lawsuits I'm going to come up with. Yeah. No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> Mutual Life Insurance Company sued you for $2.3 million. He goes, now, I never should have been sued here. I shouldn't have been sued. (laughs) You said you were sued at all. Five minutes ago, you said you were never sued. You were never sued. And he goes, I said, now, you're telling me there's no more lawsuits. I said, I mean, he goes, okay, Matt, now I understand why you're confused because it's my fault. Now it's a misunderstanding. (laughs) He goes, now I understand why you're confused. He said, I'm confused because you're lying to me. No, no. He said, Matt, what happened? He said, what's going on is is that Heritage Wealth Management, they were sued. I said, no, they were sued. You were sued on behalf of the company, and you were sued indivi- uh, as a private person. You were it's across the board. They're suing you. You're yep. done. Every way. Every which way. Yeah. And he's, he's like, and he literally went, and I said, Marcus, I mean, I start pulling out different lawsuits, this one and this one and this one. And he goes, Matt, I, because I, uh, Matt, of, I, I don't understand where this is coming from. I mean, I owned a large Wealth management company. Of course we were sued. We were sued all the time. It would be strange if we weren't sued. And I mean, it was just like fucking bizarre. Right. Wow. Who? And I, every time I've talked to them, guys are like, well, why didn't you confront them right there and say, you know, you, uh, you just said it doesn't work. Right. He's just going to shut down. He shuts down. He gets angry. He screams. He hollers. So instead, you just skate over that. Just let's just go we can gloss right, right. over that. You just let him know that you know. Right. So you and say, you okay, let it go. okay, well, 
that makes sense. You were sued all the time. That makes sense. So right. what happened in this lawsuit? Is this the one where uh, you, you, the guy, uh, uh, Reese, uh, Mr. Reese, you, you got the annuity? And I, we start talking. Yeah, that's uh, – so we start talking about – now he, he's done. I painted him into a corner. Now he just, just tells me what, what happened. You could see it in his face, bro. When I would show up for these meetings towards the end, when he, it, everything was unraveling – yeah, I just beaten the hell out of this. Dude, <laughs> yeah, bro. he was just. He'd look up and be like, "You could see when I would pull out some paperwork and and I go, okay, um, so listen, I got this something in the mail here uh, from the Texas Department of Insurance, and you could see him go, oh fuck, oh my god, please gotta be me. miserable for him. Please tell me he didn't get the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep in mind too, I don't want him to stop working with me either. Right. So. You know, I would give him a little here, a little there, and coax him a little bit, and then eventually, and I'd convince him that what he that we were kindred spirits, right? Like you don't have to lie to me, right? You lie to these other suckers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, tell him about the stuff that you did to make right. him feel yeah. like you yeah. guys have right. I would tell him I did this one time, I did this. I would make up shit. I did this one time. Oh my god, those fuck, what an idiot! And he would get excited listening to me, and he has to one up me, right? That. Yeah. Right? He can't say we're both pilots. He's got to say I work for NASA. Yeah, yeah. He, so I'm, I'm saying, yeah, this. And one time I did this with this client and this with this client. And, and he would go, he'd be like, oh, that's nothing. One time I had a client sign this and he had no idea. One time he says, hey, I had clients sometimes. They never signed anything. And I just took the money out of their, their account. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I'd go, so, that, so that's what happened with the, you know, with the Johnsons, right? And he'd go, well, and he'd realize, fuck. Yeah, he yeah. fucked himself. Right, and I so because I got this document right here, and he'd be like, "Oh God!" I'd pull it out, and he'd go, "Yeah, see what?" <laughs> yeah, and he'd tell me what happened. So, you know, it was just it was just straight insanity, bro. Wow, it was just the guy's just nuts. Wow. <laughs> so, eventually, he gets shut down completely, and he shifts to. I just want to tell this one this the one story about where he shifts it to a Ponzi scheme. The whole economy's collapsed. Mm-hmm. Nobody, the, money's just non-existent. Nobody's lending anybody anything. What year is this? Two thousand and eight. I would okay. say was this late two thousand eight, early. I think it was two thousand two thousand and eight. Okay. Yes, two thousand and eight, um, when everything was just shut off. Right. So, because he jumps out of the plane in like two thousand nine, beginning of two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. So everything's just shut off in two thousand eight. He shifts because he can't do the annuity scam anymore. Is what's called the churning scam. Yeah, can't the run insurance the ch- company shut him down. Right. So what he's doing now is he switches to running a. Um, oh gosh, uh, it's a um, it's a forex scam. So he runs basically it's a Ponzi scam, and the forex he uses forex to say he's trading currencies. So I'm going to trade currencies. I'm trading the euro against the dollar. Because the euro was actually going up at that point. Yeah. So he he starts going to different investors and saying, "Look, I've got this currency, you know, fund that I'm, you know, we're, we're I'm betting against, uh, you know, betting on the against the dollar or betting against the euro or betting for the or whatever, however they, they do it." Mm-hmm. And people are giving him money: fifty thousand here, a hundred thousand here, twenty thousand here. He's not investing it. Yeah. He's just paying his bills. Right. You know, the Lexus. <clears throat> The Lexus payments do my ten thousand dollar a month house payments do yeah. my. I mean, he's just paying his bills. What's so funny is I have the document that comes in where they would show where the government's like, look, sixty thousand dollar check, fifteen thousand went here, five thousand went here, four thousand went here, 
10,000 went here. And they literally, he deposited on a Monday, and by Friday, the whole thing is drained. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Just you know, paying so his personal bills. Personal bills. So oh you can't God. even say, well, I did trade some of the money, or I meant to. There's no fund. None. There's no fund. You're just stealing. Yeah. So, and he's lying to everybody to get him to steal. But I remember this This is the one story, and um, I can't remember the, the name of the, the, the woman. But at some t- some points, keep in mind, he's got, he's, he has control over your money. So at some point, sometimes he would need money. He would just take the money. He'd just write himself a check out of your account for 10 grand. And maybe a month later, he'd put it back when some more money came in. So this one woman checks her account one day and realizes that like 10 grand's missing. And so she calls him up and says, Marcus, I just checked our our Fidelity account and $10,000 is gone. And he says, it is? He goes, well, you know what? Um... Oh yeah, yeah. He said I invested that in the in the currency in the um, the the our euro fund. Uh, it's a currency fund, you know. It's a forex fund. I'm trading, and she and she said he he said oh your husband whatever the name is Mark. Oh yeah, I talked to Mark. Mark okayed it. She said oh he never said anything to me. Keep in mind what he just said. Mark said it was okay. Right. He knows she's gonna call Mark. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's gonna say it's something. Their husband. Yeah. So. He, she, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Martha, Mark author, authorized it. She goes, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. She hangs up the phone. He sits back and waits because he knows she's calling back. Right. She calls back, and she says, I just talked to Mark, and he said he did not absolutely tell you to, that he could do that. And he goes, what? Hold on a second. Let me put you on. Hold on. Let me, let me talk to my secretary. Puts her on hold, kicks back, waits, wonders where they're going to send him to prison, you know. Yeah. You know yeah. Will Michelle bring the kids to see me? You know, right. That kind of stuff. Waits a little bit, gets back on the phone and says, listen, I just talked to my secretary. I had given her a list of investors that I wanted her to contact to get authority to put money into the Euro fund. She checked off the different names that she'd called and left messages for. I thought that meant that those people had okayed the investment. Mm. So that was my mistake, and I apologize. And he said, "I'm so sorry. I'm going to go ahead um, and I will put the money back in the account. You know, by tomorrow you'll have the money or whatever." He said, "Plus your returns." He goes, "Which is eighteen hundred dollars." And she goes, "Eighteen hundred dollars." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, I mean, it's been in there for a month, almost a month." She goes, well, "You made eighteen hundred dollars with ten thousand in less than a month." He goes, "Yeah. Well, you know, it's, the euro's going up. You you watch the news." Yeah. And she goes, well, Mark, if it's making that much money, leave Go it. Go ahead and do it. Leave it. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fine. So he gets to keep the money. He wow. says she showed up like two or three weeks later and gave him a check for like 20 grand or 30 grand. Put it in there. Additional. Oh, by the way, put this in the Euro fund. Yeah. Why wow. me? Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember he, that's the one where he told me. I don't know if I have it in the synopsis. Uh the one you read on the website, but I, I have it in the book where he said, he goes, I remember at the time, he goes, I didn't even need the money. <laughs> goes, but I took it anyway. He said, because, you know, I mean, he said, I mean. Well, you're going to turn down a check. Yeah, he said, you know, I needed the, you know, I didn't need it at the time, but, you know, at that point, he said it was, you know, it was all so the So at this money point, was he was on a slippery slope and he knew it wasn't going to end well, so he was just. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, um, and what happens right about this time is uh, Bernie, uh, Bernie Madoff hits. Yeah. 
And I remember he said, the phones just start ringing. People are like, where am I? Where's my money? Where are the investments? Where are this? Oh we God. want proof of this. I want proof of this. I mean, so he's in a bad spot. Right. And wow. he, at this point, he's also sleeping with this girl named um, Michelle. Oh, wait, what was her name? Kelly. Kelly Baker. He's sleeping with this girl named Kelly Baker. So he's got he's has an affair with this this poor chick that works at the um, airport. I mean, she's this guy's six foot tall, good looking, has right. a plane. Went to NASA. Does <laughs> that in the third? Used to NASA. I mean, this guy's amazing. He was in the Air Force when he was twelve or whatever. He's fucking told her. Um, you know, he, he looks like he's filthy rich. She, he's buying her presents. I mean, she didn't have a prayer, so he sco- sweeps her off uh, her feet, and she knows he's married. She's seen his kids. You know, but he puts her into her own apartment. He buys her a new car. His wife finds out about it. Jesus. She flips out. Uh, what else happens? But that's when, when he's telling me about her, that's when, um, when he, we were talking about her in the, in prison. And one day he comes up to me and, and he doesn't realize that one of the things that the literary agent had sent in was a picture of Kelly Baker. So I have a picture of Kelly Baker. This is the girl he's having an affair with. Girl he's having an affair with. And we talk about her. Yeah. You know, talk, we talk about her. I'm trying to think if I have the picture. Oh, man, that'd be great. I know I have the picture in here. Oh, nice. Is that it? This is Kelly Baker. Let me see. Right? So she's, she's cute. She's a good-looking girl, right? Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. So... Keep in mind, in prison, you're not allowed to have, like, dirty pictures, and you have no access to the Internet. Yeah. You don't have anything like that. Well, what these guys do is they get, they'll get pictures like our <coughs> semi-nude pictures, like some girl in a thong right. looking back at you. Mm-hmm. You can see the side of her breast. Can't No nipple, but you can see, you know, it's like this is close to being naked. Yeah. She's naked. You just can't certain things. And so they'll order, like, ten of them. And they'll have them sent in, and they'll let them in because it, the mailroom, the women in the mailroom will be like, oh, yeah, you can't see a nipple. Yeah. Okay, he can, he can have these. And they'll give them, and then the guys will sell them. Yeah. Well, one of the guys that sells them was a guy named um, uh, Mark Boinkin. <laughs> so he would get in, I mean, he's getting in 50 or 100 pictures every single week, and he's selling them for books of stamps. Or three dollars, or three or four dollars, because there's no currency, so you pay like four bucks for a for a, a, a picture. Yeah. Well, keep in mind that picture is there's like he got like twenty or thirty of them in whatever he got in five, ten, twenty. I don't know, but I know that like my celly had one. Yeah. And the guy across from us has one. Yeah. So I've been staring at this one picture of this girl with brown hair, who's next to a pedestal sink, looking back at you in a thong. It's a semi-professional photo. I mean, it's you know it, it's candid semi, but it's it's over-the-top, amazing-looking, this chick. Mm-hmm. You can tell there's lighting and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But it looks like it's like some guy caught his girlfriend from behind, but you can tell right. she's too perfect. Everything's yeah. too perfect. So I've been watching this, seeing this photo for a month or so at least. And yeah, so, in somebody's cell. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's multiples. Right. There's multiple copies multiple of it. Multiple copies. Yeah. So one day, Shrinker shows up, and we've been talking about Kelly. One day, I show up. For our, one of our inter- interviews, and I said, and he walks up and he goes, Matt, Matt. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, Kelly found out that I'm getting out of prison soon. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, she mailed me a letter. He goes, and look, she sent me this photo, and he shows me the photo 
of the girl. And you instantly know. And I get the photo, and I'm like, this motherfucker. Come on, man, bro. <laughs> I was just thinking, wow, you are delusional, you know? And I just go, oh, wow, that's amazing. And he takes it, and he, he goes, does, does like this to me, right? He goes, smell. He goes, that's Paloma Picasso. Whatever the, the perfume scent was, or the perfume. Yeah. Keep in mind, there's no cologne or pol- on, on the commissary. Mm-hmm. So you, what guys will do is they'll go through books. And you get the samples. And, and rub guys it on will there. Rub right. it on. So he must have rubbed Paloma Picasso on the picture yeah. and then waves it to me. He goes, he goes, that's her scent. That's Paloma Picasso. That's right. I bought her that. He goes, I took this photo. So oh, now you, so he, he goes, we were in Florida at some hotel and I took this photo. And I was like, wow. wow. And he goes, he goes, can, can you believe they let this through the mailroom? I went, no. No, I can't believe it. <laughs> you don't call him out on it? No, because, no. I mean, what's he got? I, I need, we need to finish this story. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. need to finish this. It's not the right story. time for that. Right. To, and, and, you know, it, it was so over that. It's like, and he, it wouldn't have mattered. He would have spun it. Yeah. He would have been like, right, right, right. are you saying that she's a, she, that she's. She that, mailed me someone else's picture? No, or, or oh, right. she would have said, she's a professional, or that she's. She's got these on the internet, or she's selling these photos that I took. You know, he would say right, something right. crazy. Yeah, and it's like, what are you going to say when someone's so willing to be blatant about the lie? There's nothing I can say. So right. I just went, okay, okay. It was so pathetic, too. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So let's go ahead and talk, and we we keep going. But so at at this point, he um, the whole scheme's falling apart. Yeah. When ba- Bernie Madoff happens, uh, everybody's calling and wanting money. They want their money out, yeah, because they're you know they haven't gotten any statements or the statements yeah. they got don't look right. You know now they're everybody's weird. Everyone's scared. People start to pull money out. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the money. Of Money's course. just gone. So one of the uh, one of the guys comes up to him. One of his uh, brokers comes up to him and says, "Hey, look, I got somebody who wants some money out of this. This some they said they've got like whatever twenty grand in, in the euro fund. Do we have a euro fund?" And he goes, and Shrinker's fucked up on pills, and he's drunk, and he goes, the money's gone. They're like, he's like, okay, well, where is it? He's like, it's gone. He's like, well, well, I don't understand. He says, it's gone. There's no fund. It's just gone. I spent it. And the guy's like, oh, wow. And he realizes, of course, he already has to know he's a liar. You can't spend much time with the guy mm-hmm. without knowing. Yeah. So he goes, and he calls the Indiana uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. He calls them, tells them what happened, tells them what's going on what he thinks is going on within days they raid the office he knows there's a raid he finds out there's a raid he and kelly have actually flown down to florida and they're in florida and michelle knows that he's got this girlfriend she's already she's already they've had these fights mm-hmm. she kicked him out of the house he's living with kelly so he uh He's down in Florida. The raid happens. He flies back after the raid, and he knows they're going to indict me soon. Yeah. They just raided the office. They just took all our computers. It's, it's, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, his uh, stepfather dies. He goes to the funeral, and at the funeral, he sees Michelle. They're, they're there together, and he tells – he says – he says – now, she doesn't say this, but his version is that they were at the gravesite, and he tells her, look, I'm going to – I'm going to fake my own death and I'm going to jump out of the plane and I'm going to fake my death and you're going to get the insurance money. Which, by the way, the idea that he could get an $11 million policy 
you understand? People don't realize about insurance is like if you if if Danny said, "Hey, look, I want to get a million dollar life insurance policy on me." Okay, you have to qualify for that. Yeah, you don't just go in and buy a, buy the policy and say, "Hey, how much is it?" Oh, okay, it's one hundred and fifty dollars a month. And oh, okay, cool, sign me up. No, no, it has to go through underwriting. You have to justify it to the underwriter. They have to go. Okay, well, I don't understand. This guy, this guy works at Tire Kingdom. Right, right. He ain't worth that. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving him a million dollar life insurance, even if he can pay for it. It doesn't. There's no justification for the million dollar policy, and it, it does. It, it's 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 weird. So they don't do it. There's a risk factor there. There's some actuary that's calculated who des- deserves it, who doesn't. The guy at Tire Kingdom doesn't get a million dollar policy. <laughs> right. He's making twenty five thousand a year. Yeah. You have to be some somebody who's making a couple like a hundred and fifty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. So he says eleven million dollars. Right. You ain't getting. A, you're a stunt pilot. Yeah. You're hooked on oxys. Mm-hmm. You're not passing any of these tests. <laughs> yeah. You know when I got an insurance policy, which was only like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. One of the things they asked was like, "Have you ever skydived? Have you ever this? Have you?" Right, and right. all these questions. Like if you'd said yes, I skydived, they were going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're done. See you later. Right. Yeah. Do you race cars? You know, you, oh, yeah, I race cars on the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not giving you a fucking policy. Right. 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 You know, maybe not for, we may not give you one, but not for that amount. Right. This guy's a fucking stone pile. He's getting an $11 million policy. Right. Come on. Please. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he says, he says that's what happened. So, and, and he said it before. He said it on, mul- I had multiple sources where this is what happened. So I wrote down, this is what happened. I, even though I say, tell the reader, I don't believe it. Is there any way to prove that he got that policy? No. And I asked him over and over again to let's write a letter. Let's find out if the, about, about the policy. I'd like to verify the policies. He's like, Matt, there's plenty of articles about the policy. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that you've been lying about right. the policy. Right, no shit. But that's not enough. So <clears throat> I have to I, – I explain in the thing that we had this discussion about the policy and that I personally don't believe it, but it is what he said. So he tells her that and she believes him. That's what he says. Okay. And so, you know, so he then goes and he says he gets like 50 pounds of of, uh, precious metals, like gold, silver, that sort of thing, that he still has. Now, here's the thing. You're broke. You're going under. But you've got 50 pounds of gold that's worth like a million dollars or half a million dollars or whatever it was worth at that time. So he goes and gets this money. He then drives all the way to like Alabama. Drops off a motorcycle and comes back within like 24 hours. Like he drives all the way there all night, drops it, rents a storage unit, drops off the bike, comes all the way back. Takes the plane and flies like he's going to visit his father, his real father, not the stepfather. His real father, he flies the plane and as he's flying the plane, he calls in the distress signal and he says... You know, my windshield has imploded. Ah, eh, the plane's going down. And he's flying south from where? Um, from Indiana. From Indiana. Okay. Yeah. He's flying towards the Gulf of Mexico. Man, it's snowing. It's cold. Yeah. Oh, he says he's hitting turbulence. There's no turbulence. I mean, he's like, I'm hitting turbulence. Mm-hmm. I'm this. I'm that. Because I've read the reports, and you know, the guys are like, it was a clear night and it was cold. There's no turbulence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, turbulence is, you know, where like hot pockets and stuff. There's yeah. different, different. Turbulence comes from, I think, mainly from the heat from the ground. Right. It comes up, especially during the day when you're flying over the ground. It's really hot out. The heat shoots up 
Uh, yeah, so there's, of, there's yeah. It's a difference in the air pressure or thickness or something. I don't right, know, but the right. point is they were saying there's no turbulence. Right. So he's saying he's hitting turbulence. And the, the windshield implodes. Man, those windshields don't implode. So windshield implodes, but, you know, the, you got a pilot in danger. He, ah. And so he sets the autopilot. He got his parachute on. He goes, he opens up the door, and because it's a pressurized plane, it blasts him out of the door. Before that, didn't you say he chewed up a handful of oxys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he says he, of course, he also, you know, he says he drank a bunch of, has been drinking beer. He takes a bunch of oxys. He crushes them up and swallows the oxys. And he, um, he opens the door and it blows open and it shoots him <clears throat> out of the plane. And as he's blown out of the plane, he hits the door. And it catches something. One of the cords, it catches something on the plane. And it yanks him around and he slams into the side of the plane. So now he's being dragged by the plane. The plane's going up and down because of the air, because of the drag. It's trying to regain altitude. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's going up and down. And the wind is banging him against the side of the of the so the he's fuselage. caught his his strap is caught on the on the door or something right and it's smashing him against the side of the plane right and so his parachute opens oh fuck <laughs> but the it's so the wind the velocity so you know it's so fast or whatever the pressure right. they're moving so it immediately shreds it bam so it's not like it does it and stops the plane or or, yeah, no. or yanks him it just immediately shreds so now you've got nothing but shreds you got nothing but these uh they called risers or something but the the, the strings are just mm-hmm. so he's thinking you know he's freezing yeah and so he's like at whatever it is 18,000 20,000 feet the plane's going up and down up and down and it's banging him against the the side of the airplane yeah fuselage right Oh, so it's banging him against the side, and eventually, the strap pops, and he falls. With he's, keep in mind, he's got he says he's got fifty pounds of gold strapped to his ankle. <laughs> so the the gold's dragging him down. The risers are above him. He's plummeting towards Earth. The plane disappears. I mean, it's over. Oh, by the way, and this is true too. Air Force or the um, the uh, who is it the um, whatever the the tower whoever it is the air 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 traffic, traffic controller, air traffic controller yeah. people they scramble two F 15s or F 16s they take off they take off yeah they because this is after nine eleven so they they come out of Florida I think or is it Texas I think it's Texas I think it was Texas yeah so they come out and they go after the plane. They're talking about shooting down the plane. Yeah. Plus, they have to signal all the uh, commercial airlines about this. Right. Oh, they have to reroute uh, uh, air of, traffic. Everything. Yeah, everything. Right. And uh, and at the point in your story where you're saying that he, he gets sucked out of the plane um, and starts getting banged against the side of the airplane, um, did he mention that the oxys were, like, kicking in at that point? So it, oh, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't bad? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yes. That's like yeah. Wasn't yeah. that bad? He's like he's like plunging, and he said, and he's like, you know, that this is how I'm gonna die. Yeah. And I realized this wasn't a part of my plan. He goes, you know, but on the upside, the the oxys were kicking in. <laughs> so it was that. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. So what so was his there plan? Was, there was a silver lining. Yeah. To it. 
was the with the motorcycle? What was it? Was that his getaway car? Was he yeah, planning on landing and keep, grabbing oh, the bike? In mind, keep in mind, he was flying along the same path, so he knew I've got to jump at this point and get close so that, to that bike. Right, that way I will land here. He says Kelly was waiting for him. Yeah. She was going to drive him. I've never seen anything but his word that Kelly was he- what was in on the plan. Right. But he says she was there in her little vehicle, whatever. Okay, so he's plummeting through the air right. towards the earth with, a, right. with 50 pounds of gold strapped to his ankle. Yes. Then what? He shoots through the tree line. So, so there's the trees. Yeah. He says he's coming down at a slight angle. Not sure how that's possible. Right. On a, cold, a non-windy, cold night, he's coming down at an angle. So he comes down and he shoots through the tree line. When he shoots through the tree line, the risers get caught in the trees. So they don't stop him, but they they yank up on him and they slow him down. When they yank up on him, the straps from the parachute yank up into him and they one of the straps severs his testicle. Fuck. That's what he says. That's what he says, right? So he hits the water and he passes out. He says that there's some kind of a device in the vest that blows up okay. and keeps his head above water. And he says that he was anchored to the ground by the, by the gold. So he says when he wakes up, he, he's freezing. It's freezing cold. He's freezing. He can barely feel his fingers or anything. But he, he manages to get his knife out, and he cuts away the gold, the, the gold and the parachute. And he gets to the um, – he ends up getting to the shore – Starts a fire and everything. Doesn't even realize he's so fucked up on oxys. Doesn't even realize that his nuts ripped off. Been ripped off. <laughs> he ends up making it to a um, a kangaroo gas station. Yeah, and he goes into the he goes into the, the sh- into the uh, bathroom and looks in the mirror and realizes. He tells me he goes, "Oh, he said my face had scratches all over it." Keep in mind. That I get, uh, I've got a mug shot of him that was taken three days later. There's no scratches. Not a scratch. No scratches. Wow. I just, there's just scratches. Well, there's no scr- I mean, you know, it's just scratches everywhere. Bloods yeah. everywhere. And he says when he goes to take off his, his, taking off his stuff, and he said there was a pain in between his legs. He said he pulls his pants down to check. He said, and that's when he realizes that his nut's missing. Fuck. Just gone. Oxys are wearing off. The oxys are wearing yeah, off. Yeah, he's fuck. in pain. He's chewing. It. He's yeah, wishing he had one fucking more in his pocket. <laughs> he, uh, but that's when, that's when, in the story. So I remember at, at that point I'm had written that up, and I was in the middle of writing the whole thing. And the next day I end up with the con man with uh, at lunch at lunch uh, with this guy. Um, they called him. Uh, uh, his name is Andrew Levinson, and I'm sitting there with Andrew and. Uh, this other guy, and, and he goes, he goes, okay, well, they're like, wait a second, he lost a nut? I'm like, that's what he says. And they're like, bro, so, okay, look, they said, so, you're, they go, well, what happened to the nut? Yeah. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. They're like, did the fish eat it? I'm like, I don't think that it's even true. Well, the yeah. fish didn't eat it. I don't know what happened. I don't even think this is true. Right. And they're like, and, and, and they're like, how, how elaborate is this lie? And I go, it's pretty elaborate. He told me he has to take like a, um, <laughs> he has to take testosterone <laughs> injections. Uh, he's got low low T. Yeah. I mean, I said he's. I mean, he's. It's pretty. I said, yeah. He's, he went into a whole thing on it. And the one guy goes, well, you know, what you want to be. So you want to write true crime when you're when you get out of prison, right? And I'm like, yeah. 
And he goes, you, you want to be like a, like a reporter? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, I mean, you're going to have to take him in to the bathroom and tell him to go in the bathroom and prove it. Pull his nut out. Let's say, yeah. take a look. Tell him to spread it out like a bat wing and <laughs> see if this thing, where is this little fella? Is it right. there? If it's missing, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going that. there, right? I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he, uh, the guy's just insane. So yeah. he, he, listen, by this point, oh, so the airplane, by the way, like you got the F-15 circling the airplane because they, 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 they can't, what? they can't go slow enough. They they have to go too really fast. Yeah. yeah. So they're circling the plane like this. They're going by and slowing down and going by, and they can see there's nobody in the plane. Yeah. This they is when the, this is before it's crashed. Before it's crashed, mm. they can see the doors unlocked. So it's headed out over the Gulf. Well, then it loses altitude. It runs out of gas. <laughs> to, because of the drag, it doesn't go up, make it over the Gulf. 50 miles or 100 miles like he had calculated <clears throat> mm-hmm. it loses it's burned off all of its fuel early it loses altitude crashes into a like a swampy area mm-hmm. the wings get ripped off the tail gets ripped off this thing is shredded i mean it's nothing but a hull and when the police get there and they track it down the one thing that is not destroyed is the window <laughs> that he had said the windshield that he had said had imploded right which is the reason for the whole crash in, in yeah. the first place. Parachutes missing. They find a campground. Uh, they find like a guide to KOA campgrounds, <laughs> which is where he ultimately ends up going and they find him there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's just a, a, a trail of evidence. Wow. Just pure stupidity. Yeah. And he's not stupid. He's just got some issues. Yeah. So. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. He's thinking it's going to go out, hit the, hit the water and. And sink. Sink. And right. then when it hits the water, the windshield will get blown out. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't happen. They realize right away, just something's not right. So they're searching for him. They start looking for him. It hits CNN. It hits every, every place. He ends up, picks up his motorcycle. He says Kelly's there. He tells Kelly to kick rocks like you know like what she, what happens is he says that kelly when he gets in the in her truck and she's ready to take off he says she goes where's the gold and he goes i had to cut it loose and she's like whoa so you don't have the million dollars in gold or 1.5 million or whatever it's worth you don't have it and he's like no i was drowning me i had to cut it loose and she's like it's ironic yeah he, he's like she, I mean, she's like, yeah, I'm done. We're, you're, we're good. I got to go. I mean, so. <laughs> Later, she, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> See you. Yeah. He, he's like, I mean, if you want to go, do you think, you know, do you want to go? Do you want, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going. And she takes off. I've never seen anything to corroborate that, mm-hmm. that she was ever involved in any way. But so anyway, he gets on his motorcycle. He takes off. He goes to the campgrounds. And uh, tried to tell me he was trying to drive to the uh, to the accident site to turn himself in, or tell me, but he's it was so cold he had to turn. He had to go and uh, he went ahead and he had his camping gear, so he had to go ahead and just pulled into this campground, and mm. so he stays there. And the next day, overnight, he re- realizes he he's the next morning he sees the stuff on the on the the media mm-hmm. uh, that they're covering it. And that he's, they're looking for him. They found the plane. Windshield he knows he's straight. He knows he's fucked. Yeah. It's over. I'm done. 
<clears throat> so he starts thinking. I remember he told me this. And everything I had read about narcissists, pathological liars, the whole thing, thing is that they don't kill themselves. You, you see what I mean? They're not, yeah, their ego won't let them kill right, themselves. Right, right. He's not gonna. He's just not gonna be able to to, to to do that. Yeah. He tells me. I remember he tells me. Um, that's when I started. I was in the tent and I started thinking about suicide. And I went, "You were thinking about committing suicide?" And he goes, "No, no, no, not committing suicide." I started thinking about suicide and thinking that attempting. Right. If I, if people thought I had tried to to commit suicide, they would have sympathy for me. And I might get a, a, a lighter prison sentence or maybe be able to go to like some kind of a hospital or something. Right. So he's now trying to fake a suicide. In place of the accident. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that. Yeah, to make so, it look like it was a failed suicide. Right. Like, like right. yeah, he did jump out. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he knows that's over. I can't. There's nothing I can do about that. But I can make it seem like it was. You know, I was having a mental breakdown or something. Yeah. And I tried to commit suicide. So he actually does cut himself. And I've saw, I've seen, like, I've read the reports and stuff in the newspaper about how he tried to kill himself. Now, I don't know much about scar tissue. But I can tell you right now, I've had worse paper cut scars. Yeah. Know? I mean, I, I've got scars, like, on my fingers, like, you know, where I can see where they actually stitched it up. This guy has a barely visible scar. He told me he cut his. He told me he cut it so deep, like it cut the tendons, and it's just complete bullshit. Mm. I mean, you cut it. There was blood. You Aren't there st- pictures of the tent where he's like covered in blood? Yeah, but he's covered himself in blood. Right. Now he's cuts himself. It's, he cuts himself good. Okay, it's a decent cut. And he does bleed, but it's not cutting into the tendons. Yeah, not kill yourself. Cut. Yeah, it's not like there's no coming back. I'm going to be dead in an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not what happened. It just bled a lot. Yeah. And so he smears blood all over the place. First he, first thing he does is he sends a letter to a guy he knows who's a reporter that he knows constantly checks his email. And he's assuming that this guy will immediately notify the authorities, which he does, and that they'll track him back to the campground. And show up. So he's got this whole thing put in, in motion. Mm. I'm going to cut my wrist. They'll show up here within an hour or two. It'll look like I was trying to commit suicide. They'll save me. And I'll have at least be able to say that I was having a mental breakdown of some type. Mm-hmm. So he cuts himself, smears blood all over the place, waits for the police. They don't. Tr- he told me this whole thing about a helicopter coming down and this whole thing. Nothing, none of it happened. Like he told me this whole thing about how the cyber they had like the cyber police tracked him back with the whole Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. The cyber police, you know, pinged, uh, uh, started pinging satellites to track down the. That's not what happened. And first of all, they couldn't track it down anyway. Right. Like they did try and figure out where the email had been sent from, and all they got was a KOA router. But they they used the same routers apparently for all of them, so they couldn't figure out which KOA he was at. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Right, right. So all we know is it came from a KOA. Yeah. We don't know which one. So he and he said, no, no, they knew exactly which one. They were yeah. headed there. That's not what happened. What happened was you didn't pay your bill. And when the campground owner showed up to say, hey, are you leaving or are you paying your bill? Shrinker had rubbed blood all over the front of the. Of <laughs> right, the, so they called the cops. So they see the blood. Like, oh, fuck. And they're like, 
oh, this isn't good. Something's up. They call the cops, and the cops are like, okay, well, what does the guy look like? He was driving a motorcycle, and he's this tall. Don't go near him. We know who it is. The U.S. Marshals are looking for him. He's this escape, this, or he's this pilot guy that jumped out of the plane. They show up. They surround the tent. They go in. They grab him. They drag him out. They handcuff him, and they throw him on a helicopter, and they fly him in, and wow. you know, Shrinker's like, and they saved my life. And you, your life wasn't in that much danger. Yeah. yeah. And so then, of course, he says, oh, I was trying to commit suicide. I was trying, But he wasn't commi- trying to commit suicide. That's one of those things that the newspapers, because it's such a dicey thing. Nobody wants yeah. to say it was faked or he was right, trying right. to fake it. So if you read the newspapers, new, newspapers all say, you know, he's, he was trying to commit suicide. Yeah. That's not what he told me. He told me he wasn't trying to commit He was just trying to make it look like suicide. Right. Mm. So he gets grabbed there. Now he's locked up. He ends up pleading guilty. He's got no choice. Uh, he gets 20 years in the state of uh, Indiana for securities fraud. Uh, in Indiana, you get 20 years, but 10 of it's suspended. So he's got a 20-year sentence, 10 years suspended. So now he's got 10 years suspended sentence. What does that mean, suspended? It means that we're going to give you 20 years, but we're going to suspend 10 of it, provided you complete the 10 years. Okay, right? Right. got and it. And you don't get in trouble. Right, no problems. No problems, because let's say he commit he commits another crime, well, then they can give him the other 10. They'll give him mm-hmm. the other 10, yeah. Right. So be on your best behavior. So they also, in Indiana, according to Shrinker, and I think this is basically true because I, I saw that what the newspaper said he got like 20 years, 10 years suspended, the whole thing. So he got the 10 years. That you only do like 50% of your time for a nonviolent crime. So now you're down to five years. Right. Well, if you earn a degree while incarcerated in the state of Indiana, they knock off like two years. So... He gets another degree. All he does is he sends he transfers all of his credits to Oakland City College, and he takes some environmental class, and he gets a degree in environmental studies. And so he ends up getting another degree, and they knock off like another two or three years. So he ends up doing like two years. A couple years, yeah. Does a couple years. Then he immediately goes to the feds. Well, in the feds, he, he got like 50 months, 51 months right around there. You do 85% of your time. So he got there. He does 85% of his time. He got a year halfway house, which is amazing. This guy got a year halfway. I got nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he's there, that's when he meets me and comes to me and says, look, mm-hmm. will you write my story? You know, I shouldn't be here. It was all my wife. Yeah. It was all Michelle did it. Michelle's the one that ran the Ponzi scheme. Michelle's the one that took all that money. Michelle's the one that was doing all the books. I didn't know that she wasn't investing that money. Keep in mind, the he doesn't he didn't mind admitting well, he did mind it, but I convinced him to tell me about the churning scheme with the insurance company because he wasn't charged criminally for that. He was charged criminally for the uh for the Ponzi scheme. So he's trying to blame that on Michelle. Mm. And, you know, of course, I looked at all the victim statements. All the victims are like, I handed a check to Marcus. I talked to Marcus on the phone. Nobody's saying Michelle. You know, I did that. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. Now, Michelle was at one point, there was an issue because she had taken out a whole bunch of money in cash within a few days. 
But that was because she was divorcing him. Right. So she knows she's in the process of divorcing him. She's taken a cash out of the bank because right. she's about to divorce him. He tried to equate that to it was all part of her plan. You know, it was part yeah. of her divorce plan, not, <laughs> right, not right, her. Right. Not, not her, your plan. Not her running a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just. Wow. So it's the story's, you know, outraged. And, and what's so funny, so when I'm done with the story, I bring him the manuscript. So, you know, well, anyway, I have this manuscript, right? So I bring him the manuscript. This is after I've written it. The whole time he thinks... How long was this whole process? Four months. Okay. So, because keep in mind too, like most writers will tell you, oh, it takes... So it was probably four or five months. Most writers tell you, it takes about a year to write a book. Well, yeah, but that's because you have a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And you have Right, you're friends. not locked up 24-7. Yeah, yeah you're not locked nothing up. nothing else to do. Right. So if I get this stuff, right. you know, you're I'm banging spending... banging a couple months. I'm, I'm working 18 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is... And to me, this is total entertainment. Oh, right. yeah. Right. So, Passing the time quick. Right. And there's nothing else to distract You're immersed me. in it. Yeah. Right. There's nothing to distract me. There's no internet. Right. There's no, hey, I'm going to go watch my favorite program right. with 150 other guys trying to watch four TVs screaming <laughs> and hollering. I don't even want to go in that room. Yeah. You know, it's... No, no, I, I'm not playing softball, you know, because these are the things that the guys do. I don't, yeah. I don't want to learn how to play the guitar, and so I, I knock it out. I bring it to him. I give it him the book, and he reads it. Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> like three days later, he comes to me one day, and I go, "Hey, uh, Marcus, did you, did you read the book yet?" He's like, "Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm going to talk to you uh, uh, later." This was at like lunch. I, I know he's going to be furious. He's fucking mad. Yeah, he's going to be furious. Yeah. And I can see it in his face. He's he's he didn't know what to fucking do. Yeah. So later that night, I come to him and I I say, hey, uh, you got the you know the book? Uh, what, did you make any notes? Did you did you jot anything down? How do you feel about it? Anything? <laughs> and he's like, you, you said I was a pathological liar. You made me sound like a criminal. You you didn't say anything about Michelle. I I don't. I, Matt, I can't I can't let this get out. And I went. Marcus, what, what are you talking about? I, I told you, I mean, you told me those stories. You're the one that, you told me, that's what you told me. I know, but you were supposed to be writing a story about how Michelle, it's like, yeah, but Michelle didn't. Michelle didn't steal the money. Michelle wasn't culpable. Michelle wasn't involved in your crime. Even if Michelle knew and she was vicariously culpable in some way, which I don't think so. She mm-hmm. may have known, but knowing doesn't, constitute being a participant in in the crime right so you know no and i'm like so this is what i wrote i told you you may not be happy but you know you mark it you said i was a liar (laughs) (laughs) oh just delusional so i say okay i'm like well man listen you know if there's any do you see that he's like it's all wrong it's all it's not true it's not it's all wrong and i go "Whoa, whoa 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 bro if I've made some mistakes as far as the accuracy, like if there are factual things that need to be changed, by all means, Marcus, please tell me. I will change those. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, he just he wow. just, he just flipped out. He's just he's no absolutely not. I so can't have do? this. I mean, I, I take the book. Say, well, then, oh well, yeah, oh well, bro. I said, I, I said, uh, don't buy a copy. Know, <laughs> yeah, I said, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> so I said, well, I mean, he's like, I, I, I'm. I said, well, I mean, look, he said, I'm not going to help you get this published. I went. Well, Marcus, I said, I don't really need you to help me get it published. I'll get it published. Right. He goes, and he looks at me, he goes, Matt, you're just some guy. He was leaving. I'm staying. Yeah. 
I still had a ton of time left at that point. So he goes, Matt, you're just some guy in prison. He goes, nobody's going to publish anything that you write. And he's just, and, and, and I go, well, I'll e-publish it. And he goes, when? When you get out in 20 years or whatever? I was like, and he was like, and he just looks at me, scoffs, and walks off. And I was like, fuck, this motherfucker. And he's right. He was right because I, I did I did send it out. I did try to get it published. But I was in prison. Mm-hmm. If you're some fucking publisher and you get a letter from some prisoner, you don't even open it. Right. So I got out and, and um and I decided, you know what I'm gonna do? First thing I did was I, I put I had written a synopsis. So I've got a like a it's like a ninety thousand word, roughly ninety thousand word book. It's about three hundred pages. So I've got a, a, a book that I'd written. So I turn I condense it and I turn it into a synopsis of which is about nine or ten thousand words. And I, I place that that story on my on my website. Keep in mind Shrinker had been out, has been out for years now. Five, six years, four years, five, six years, something like that. Yeah, probably like five years. Mm-hmm. So about four years, whatever. So he's been out about, about four years, let's say. So I get out and I put it on a web on the website. I got a bunch of stories on the website. Yeah. Well, at some point recently, I, it's on the one. It's on the website, and two, I was in the process of publishing his book, mm-hmm. putting together his book, and I was going to publish his book, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in the process of doing that, putting it together. I think, okay, I'll put it up on, you know, on uh, um, Amazon. And so while I'm in the process, he happens to come across the website. Somebody tells him about the website and mm-hmm. that his his synopsis of his story. He doesn't know that it, he just he just finds the synopsis. So he find this is this is this is in uh, what this is well this one this is October twentieth of this, this year is, of this year. This yeah. is a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago, first thing he does when he sees the when he sees it is he goes to Inside True Crime, which is you know my website, and. He goes to Inside True Crime and he writes a letter to them. He doesn't realize that I, I'm Inside that's, True that's Crime. That's you. That's my yeah, website. It's going straight to you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, realize, he writes, uh, Dear Inside True Crime, my name is Marcus Shrinker, and I was just notified you published a story authored by Matt Cox. I was approached by Matt Cox at Coleman Prison mm-hmm. um, and declined speaking with him about my story. The story you have published is completely fictional completely fictional and totally made up uh, also you have used copyrighted photos in the uh, in the publication that do not fall under fair use i own the rights to the cover photo and it was only licensed to one entity i would expect you will do the right thing by removing the article thank you marcus shrinker so he sends that to Inside True Crime. All right. Okay. Now that was just specifically about the cover of the. Well, no, it's about everything. Well, the in cover the, in the story saying that the story's fake, but right. the only really claim he has is a copyright claim because it doesn't matter. You wrote the story. Well, he's also saying that I made up the story. It's all complete fiction. Okay, that's what he's saying. So he doesn't realize it went to me. But uh, even if it was fiction, you can still keep a fictional story on your website. There's nothing wrong with that, right? No, but I'm saying it's true, and it right, is true. Right, I mean, I right. have all the evidence. Okay, you know, so he. Uh, then I sent him a, you know, I sent him a, an email back saying, uh, "Nice, uh, Marcus, nice try, uh, <laughs> but I have all the all the TrueLinks printouts because the printouts when you print documents 
in prison, they have your name and your reg number on them. So okay. I have those with his information on them. Okay. So but I have all the true links printouts wherein you chronicle numerous stories to me. Also, I have all of the original documents you provided me. I also have handwritten notes from you, which you provided me. In addition to the above, all of the photographs contained on the website uh, are in the public domain. The law states that any and all websites are allowed to use photographs from other websites to populate additional websites. You know, I'm not using those photographs to sell anything. You're not monetizing mm-hmm. I'm not monetizing it in a way. Mm-hmm. So I put, uh, I'd love to see the licensing agreement for the photos of you and Michelle. That's the cover one. Of you and Michelle, however, I doubt you possess it. Nice try, Marcus. However, you and I both know you participated in the writing of the story. With that said, what's up, bro? Uh, I have been in contact with multiple people doing documentaries, um, doing documentaries as well as several magazines and podcasters. I've told all of them I doubt you would be willing to speak with them on camera. However, if you'd like, I'd certainly uh, like to arrange it. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the above subjects. You know, please feel free to contact me. And I give him my, my page. Wow. Right, so I send that back. So he sends me this back. What, when, how, how long did it take him to reply? Oh, like a day. The next day. <laughs> I'd love to see his face when I mean, he read I, that email. Oh, matter of fact, he sends it back on October 20th. So like that morning, that morning, he sends me the one. I respond. By same the, day. Same day. He's, this is going bing, bing, bing. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So he sends this one back. It's pretty long, but I won't read the whole thing. It's uh, uh, Mr. Cox, your story is salacious, untrue, and harassing. It is junk. I'm glad that he was very professional about the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, it is gross, absurd, and insulting, or it insults good people that have uh, served an honest life of public service. I don't know who the fuck that is. Okay, um, you are obviously a very sick man and quite dangerous. <laughs> Get it? Okay, um, stating that my parents uh, abused me um, publicly is an insult to them and certainly malicious in every way. You are also casting the blame of my crimes on other people. Did I ever do that? Did I ever say that his crimes were? No. Never. I never won. No, no, never. Um, On other people, you have basically created a fictional story and clearly the DOJ Department of Justice uh, has not been properly supervising you. (laughs) <laughs> we will be in contact. We, I don't know who we is, because right. if it was from his lawyer, if it's he and his lawyer, his lawyer would have written. Right, he would have sent the email. Right. His legal team. Right. We will be in contact with the Department of Justice tomorrow, and of course, your probation officer. I'm also going to print the story out and send it to your judge and let him or her know um, uh, what you are doing with your life. Those pictures are licensed to ABC, not you, of which is a crime. Give me a fucking break. Okay. Uh, on top of the other things you are doing, uh, we will be sending the a DMC violation, blah, blah, blah. DMCA. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, DMCA. Uh, violation notice uh, to your provider. Um, I just cannot understand how you, uh, how your probation department is allowing you to do this kind of malicious work stealing pictures and harassing people if you have been stealing from the federal department 
or Federal uh, Bureau of Prisons, then that needs to be reported as well. I have never spoken. I have listen. This is good. I have never spoken to you about my life, given you notes, provided notes, and. Uh, when you asked me to do a story, I declined. I told you very clearly I was not interested in your uh, your route of life. Okay, this is not an honorable life, Mr. Cox, blah, 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 blah. Uh, then he says something down here about victimizing. I'm victimizing retired school teachers. Because How? Okay, because he, what he's saying is um, that his mother and his his real mother and his real father are both stool teachers. Oh, okay. He's saying I'm victimizing it. One, his real father, I never even talk about. In the, mm. in, in the book, I talk about him, but I only say good things. Right. He told me his stepfather was abusive. He told me his mother was a drunk. Mm-hmm. So he goes on and on. Uh, finally, do not contact me further, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So look, so the next, so like a couple days later, October 23rd, I'm thinking, no big deal. Fuck him. He's not going to do anything. He can't do anything. I've I'd have done everything right. I have documents. I know exactly. Right. I'm okay. good. I'm good. I get an email from my probation officer, which already I feel doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. So I mean, not that you're supposed to be warm and fuzzy with your probation officer, you know. Right. But you know, it would be nice. Yeah. So <laughs> of course it would. Yeah, you know, that's what you hope for. Right. You hope for. Yeah. But apparently, I'm difficult. So. The last time I was on federal probation, I stole $11.5 million. And she's, <laughs> right, so they're not feeling it. She's made it aware that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's let me know very clearly that right. ain't happening again. Right, not on so, her watch. Yeah, not on her watch. So, okay, she says, <laughs> good morning. Be prepared to have a conversation between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. today regarding <laughs> a complaint I received from someone you spent time in prison with. This is your current probation this officer. Is my, this is my probation officer. Right, like last week. Yeah, this was October 23rd. This yeah. was uh, two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, about two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah, because it was a Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, then she put, uh, or th- then I put, uh, it needs to be closer to one because I have a conference call with my lawyer and opposing counsel. Um, this is for the, the War Dogs uh, lawsuit. So okay. I explained to her, look, it's got to be closer to one. I have it at two o'clock. Right. Important. So she put, um, actually, report to my office tomorrow morning at ten at, at yeah, ten yeah. a.m. <laughs> she, wow, she's oh, flexing yeah. on you. Yeah, you ain't gonna tell her what time. Yeah, you're exactly. In. Yeah, she's Look, like, no. "Look, you're 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 forgetting who's oh, in you're control busy. here, yeah. Mr. Cox. Whom, yeah. You're not 10. busy. You're coming here." So then I put, "No problem. I'll see you at ten tomorrow." Because you know I'm terrified of her. Yeah. So uh, so the next day I go in mm-hmm. and I see her, and I go to her, and I, as soon as I walk in, after the after having to go through the uh, metal detector and all this other stuff. Yeah. So I go in there and I say, uh, hey, what's up? And I, I walk in and she goes, have a seat. And she sits down and she goes, um, so I received a complaint. I said, right. I said, she goes, do you know what this is about? I said, yeah, it's from Marcus Shrinker. And I pull out the, I said, she goes, how do you know that? And I said, oh, he sent this to my website. And I said, uh, you know, I have a website. And, and she goes, yeah, I know. I've been to the website. And I said, oh, okay, so did you read the story? She goes, I read the story. She said, and several people in this office have read the story. Very serious, and I'm thinking. So what part of this is violation of your probation? I don't understand. Well, because what I gathered, she wouldn't show me what the complaint was. Even though I feel I have a right to know under the Freedom of Information Act, I would have to file the Freedom of Information Act. And I'm not positive that that I could still get it because Hmm. some departments are exempt. 
And she may she could easily not she could easily say it's still under review. Whatever they didn't have to give it to me. Right. But based on what she said to me, she said, "Have you ever been up to?" She goes, "Do you know where Marcus Shrinker lives?" And I went, "No." I said, "But I think he lives in Pace, uh, Pace, uh, Florida, which is up by the Panhandle." And she goes, Why, "How do you know that? Why do you say that?" And I went, "Well, because I said the email that he sent me has the name of the company he, I think he works for, and it, it's like a, a landscaping type company, like." probably has something to do with the environmental studies that he got his yeah, degree, right. something like that. And I said, so it said it, and I looked that up on the internet, and it's up there near Pace. I said, and I have analytics on my website, so I know that the, after I received this, I checked the website, and there was there somebody from Pace, Florida has been on the, has website. Been on the website. Yeah. And I said, so that's Shrinker. Right. And she, I go, so that's how I know. She goes, but she, have you ever driven <clears> up there? And I went, also, his father lives in the general area, too. Remember? He was flying. Ooh, sorry. He was flying from Indiana to Florida, which is – that's why he had to go through yeah. Alabama. Yeah. He was going to see his father, which okay. lived in that area. So I said, so I, I assume that's where he lives. And she goes, but you don't know his address. I said, no. She goes, so have you ever driven up there to see him? I said, no. She goes, have you ever driven up there and seen his parents? So that made me think, okay, that's weird. Why would you think – so I think in the complaint he must have said – That you were harassing I was him. harassing right. him because he says harassing. Mm-hmm. So I think he was trying – probably to her he probably said like I've been harassing them. I've driven up there mm-hmm. and harassed him. So I went, no, that's not true. And she goes, okay. She goes, well, you've been pretty good about notifying me when you leave the jurisdiction. You've gotten permission. I go, yeah. I said I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's one of those things that's stupid. If you just tell right. them. If you just tell them, right. they'll let you go. Right? Yeah. If it's reasonable. You can't say, hey, I need to go up to – I need to I need to fly out to Texas because I'm, I'm I'm bringing in some uh, uh, you know I'm bringing in 15 uh, keys of cocaine. You can't right. tell them that. But if it's a re- reasonable, you know, you're going to a right. funeral. They'll let you or, go. They're going to let you go. So I go okay, and she go, she goes yeah okay. She said well wh- what is well you know she goes what's all this? I go oh okay. I said well, so I pull out the thing. I said you read the the letters right, and I show her the letters, and we read them. And she goes okay okay. I said you see where it says he never. She goes, did he participate in the story? And I went, yeah, he did. And I, and I said, so, I said, let me, let me explain this to you. And I show her this. I said, this is a letter. This is something I printed out on CoreLinks. And I show her, see how my name, my reg number's here, and my name. She goes, right. I said, anything you print out in the Bureau of Prisons, this is what it looks like. It has all your information at the top. Yeah. It has all this, where it's from, what it is, it, everything. Mm-hmm. I said, this is something I print out. And I show her, look, every page has it, every single page. She goes, okay. She goes, yeah, I see that. I've seen that. I understand that. I said, okay, cool. So I show her, I said, so first of all, remember how he specifically said we didn't work together? And she goes, right. I said, these are all the notes that I took while I was, and I show her that. I said, which I said, let's face it. I said, you see the, all these notes, right? And she goes, right. I said, I couldn't have come up with this, with this by last night, right? right? And she goes, okay, I agree. I said, you see how old it is. She goes, right, okay. I said, he says he never worked with me. She goes, right, right, right. I said, okay, right here. This is a printout from him with his name and information on it. I said, right here, it says, Matt. Here is draft 1.3 of the outline. <laughs> um, uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this. I said, and then he goes on to tell me a whole story that he typed up, gave to me. I said, and she goes, and she looked, you should see her face was like, let me see that. She's like, huh. And she goes, okay, so this is, I said, no, 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 no. Right here, chapter 1.1, draft two. Uh, I was, I said, here, see all the hand, all the notes that he made? She goes, yeah, okay. I said, this mm. one, Matt. I can't believe I'm writing this. While at Purdue, I fell in love with a cheerleader named uh, uh, Terry uh, 
And then he tells me all about this. And he where, he typed this up? He typed it up, printed it out, and gave it to me. And, and, that, and that says his name on it, that he printed it? Of course, it's got right, see? name, reg, everything. Marcus Shrinker. Yeah. And, and what's great is that he, it, it's not like he, like, he, he addressed it to Holy me. Holy shit. Right, right. That's he, what's even he, funnier. He puts your name in like, it, so he knows it's That's what's really funny. Because when I got them, and I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her this. When I remember I pulled it out and I looked at it, I was like, oh, my God, he, yeah. he addressed it to and me. And it says, I can't believe I'm telling you this. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Same one, another one, Matt. It is beautiful. Right. Matt, yeah. uh, here is the write-up from the old mill experience. Remember how he hides? <laughs> oh, you didn't read the book. He hides under the table. And his, his mother's drinking and she's screaming okay, and hollering. Yeah. And she's there. And remember how he says uh, that I'm saying that I'm smearing his mother's image or, and everything. The abuse claims and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that. Okay. Uh, I had learned by that time that they both of them, because he also talks about his, his stepfather his being drunk. Right. Uh, by that time, uh, by the time they got to their third drink, the monster in them came out. <laughs> then he put, My mother had between one and two or less than a wonderful, loving person. The problem is, being the alcoholic she was, that was a rare moment when she was that sober person. So it goes on and on to talk about how his mother, right, the right, school right. teacher, elementary school teacher, how she was a drunk and she was... So what, So you showed all this to your probation officer. Right. So, what, what did that in, end well, up? Look, so what, I keep, what happened? I keep going and going. Yeah, At right. some point, I mean, I'm, I'm like maybe 30, 40 pages into it. I'm like this. And then remember this story? You read this thing, this story. And she's like... Mr. Cox, she says, we're not going through this whole thing. <laughs> she's like, so she realizes, look, all right, you're right. You know, like she can tell the guy's a fucking liar. Right. So she knows. So, so that's, the, that's the end of that. Yeah. So I, I say, so she goes, okay, so what, what's going on? I said, ah, he's, he's a fucking lying piece of garbage. And wow. so, so she's like, okay. So what's, what's comical to me is the only thing about it was that I thought to myself, the issue I have is that. The ABC thing. Like, is that photo licensed? At one point, I know it was licensed by... Can you show us that that on there? Right, the Associated Press. This was a photograph that had come out from Shrinker. Okay. This is a... It was like a a glamour shot that had been done by by a Lexus dealer. Okay, yeah, they wanted to use him for like an ad or something. Right, he and his wife in the plane, and they have their Lexus. Right. Because they bought just tons of Lexuses. Apparently, he thought that was like an awesome car. So... So, you know, I knew it had been at one point it was copywritten by the Associated Press. So there's very possible that it that had been be licensed. Possible. That may yeah. be possible. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Shrinker owned it. He never right. owned it. But somebody might. Somebody might. And it may have been, it may have been, uh, um, uh, it may have been licensed to them. So I thought, you know, it's public domain. Is it? Isn't it? I could track <clears> down and figure it out. But even if I found out that that was true, well, then, you know, ABC News is going to be like, okay, yeah, you can use it, but we want you to pay us. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to pay you. Yeah, I'm not yeah. paying anybody for, for, for that picture. So I figured, okay, well, you know what I know is public domain? Mugshots. Yeah. So instead, I redesigned the book cover with his face with his mugshot on it. <laughs> yeah, which and I'm I, sure he loves even I'm more. Sure. So, you know, my whole my whole thing to Shrinker is you could have had the GQ nice pretty picture on right. there with the pretty wife and the nice clean plane. Right. Instead... You're getting this the is what shot. you get. This is what you get. That's public record. Wow, I think that's better personally. You, oh, listen, and I have two more. I have one, another one that's kind of like this, and then I have one that where he looks like a serial killer, shaved head. He's kind of bloated and fat. He's terrifying looking. So I've got two other covers that are coming. So th- these, this, these are the books that will be put out with the different covers. Okay, and, and where? Um, so uh, how long till these are published and able to be purchased? Well, I mean, I've 
I say it's literally a click now. So by the oh, time, so you can buy them right now. Well, no, I'm, I haven't done it yet because I uh, wanted to do this with you. Right. So I'll I'll give you the link and you can put the link down and people can buy the book. Okay. The, the, book link, is, the link's right below. Yeah, the you want to buy this motherfucker? Buy it right now. Definitely. And I've got quote. I got quotes from like I got quotes from Associated Press from. You know, it's yeah. Listen, bro, it's it's some good shit. Right, well, well it's, documented. It's fucking fascinating. I'll tell you. I mean, it's he's, definitely fascinating. What I love is that he's now currently still doesn't want the story out. Yeah, and is trying to get me thrown back in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> writes these letters that are clearly lies. This yeah. is like two weeks ago. You're still lying. Yeah, <laughs> right. Still, we should try and get him on a conference call oh or my something. God, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That would be amazing. Oh, that would geez. be that would because you know, and you you'd be able to hear the whole. You know, yeah. you can watch him. Like, there's like a Dateline or 2020 interview with him. And yeah. You know how I kind of mock him a little bit. If you watch that video, you completely see him going. What? Now wait a minute. What? Like they 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 um confront him where they're like, okay, so you took the plane out and you you jumped, you got blown out of the plane and right, right. I was so dazed. And he's like, you know, and so you, you're, you're thrown out of the plane. They're like, she, she's like, right, right. You've been flying for several hours. Right, right, right. She goes, and you, you just happened to land right where you had parked a bike. Right. Or stored a bike the night before. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, you know, I know how it looks, <laughs> but it really was just random. <laughs> It's just like wow. so. Right, it's a coincidence. Just a coincidence, mm, please. But, I mean, just it's like, are you serious? Did you really think you were going to pull the wool over these people's eyes? Mm-hmm. And he's still trying to play it off. Right, still trying to do it. Still trying to do it. Well, that's amazing. The, the <laughs> book. I mean, th- this is it's another one of these things where, like, man, it'd be a great fucking movie, man. It would be a great it would movie. Be a great just movie. like oh, yeah. War Dogs, that would right. be a phenomenal movie. I got, like I said, when I was when I was reading the synopsis, the first paragraph, I was picturing the the, the film. I was literally yeah. watching a movie. It's it's and the 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 whole conflict between he and I convincing him to tell what really mm, happened, yeah. and, you know, and the parallel story of just the psychology of a pathological liar, yeah, yeah, it was, is just as fascinating as yeah. his crime story. Yeah, he's it's bizarre, it's bizarre, and and honestly, had I not read all those the studies and the books, and um, I mean, I, I it would I would have been super frustrated, but I was so I was so enamored with just him being this it's like you're talking to somebody that you just completely i've i'm just like i'm everything i'm reading is you yeah. oh my god you do that yeah. oh my god so i completely right. know what i'm up against and it was just bizarre to hear him say stuff that i'm like oh my god what do you mean you yeah oh my god he did the same things there was just no benefit to it it was just it was amazing same thing here i mean i clearly he's got a benefit he's trying to get me shut down completely right so now the book comes out and you know you you, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. The more you the more you squeeze, you know, the more slips through your fingers. Right. But yeah, you it would be great if you. Could, oh my god! Call them call up him. and said, yeah, "Hey, so this. we just read your book, and we oh were going, what book? <laughs> yeah, um, Mark, Marcus, if you see this podcast, uh, just leave a comment below. I'm sure it'll get uh, upvoted enough. We'll we'll What's, have to communicate and get you on here. Okay, one more thing is, I've talked to a reporter for Forbes that I'm supposed to talk to about writing an article about me and Shrinker and writing the book about Shrinker. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if that comes out by the time this comes out, you could put yeah. that link too. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I'll definitely mention the podcast to him. Cool. 
So yeah, that's awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Hell Very yeah. cool. We'll see what happens. Well, cool, man. That was super fascinating. <laughs> Thanks again for uh, coming on and sharing another story. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah. Because okay. uh, I love it. I know everyone else loves it. So. Well, hopefully this gets a bunch of likes. <laughs> Hell I yeah. don't get the... <laughs> Stop reading the comments. I gotta stop reading those comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to. Some of them are good. Most of them are good. Yeah, but everyone's father. So, oh. awesome, man. Well, thank you again. Yeah, appreciate it, man.